Cool, yeah, so four nerds episode twenty. Yeah, twenty. Um, should we uh do something Celebrate? special for twenty? No. Uh, no? Talk okay. About stuff? Sounds That's good. Gotcha. Twenty is you guys, <laughs> you guys haven't finished the cooking show special. Somebody needs to send me his file. This is now a cooking I'll podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> Trying to do a live show, by the way, not easy. Like <laughs> it was really like hard. The, the technical the requirements for like doing any kind of live recording. Oh yeah. When like you don't have the the cameras, the microphone set up and stuff like that. I had yeah. to hold my blue Yeti in front of me and talk while Shell stood there with my webcam all yeah, hooked up I to my to laptop. Yeah, following me around my... with the webcam. <laughs> it was yeah. it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty pretty ghetto. For lack of a better term, live yes. streaming is instantly just way harder in general if you're mm-hmm. ever recording anything besides the screen. Yes, like I or one, your of the, face one being of the more impressive perfectly attempts, still and perfectly beautiful. One of the one of the more impressive attempts to try to like go the extra mile for the audience that I've seen is I I once saw uh previously recorded the the uh the gaming element of Red Letter Media they tried to do a Pokemon mm-hmm. Go live stream. Oh wow! Yeah. They had a straight around. up like they had like yeah. one of those carts. Like I don't know, it might uh-huh. have been a baby stroller, or or it might have been like something along the terms of like one of those things that you push down the aisle on a plane. They're pushing mm-hmm. it along with a laptop that was creating a local like Wi-Fi hotspot on a phone, and like they were live streaming wow. via their their laptop with a stream huh. of the video from the phone's perspective, while also having a webcam sticking out of the front of the cart so they were walking around trying to live stream this game (laughs) do you you know how you're actually supposed to do it or at least the easy way all i know is there are a lot of people looking at them you uh you skype call with a computer and you you stream the the skype call on the actual computer saves you a lot of bandwidth at least or you do that i've seen and it looks like like carrying a baby around yeah (laughs) but the baby is a video camera that was a really interesting thing to watch <laughs> fail. Mostly. I guess that raises a really interesting point. Like, I guess Pokemon Go is unbelievably difficult to let's play because well, it would be moving around so much. Garbage to let's also, play. Yeah. No, that's also true. <laughs> like, it's... what are you gonna, what are you gonna say? Like, all right, I'm walking to the park. Uh, I think there's a Dratini like four miles away from here, <laughs> uh, but there's a Rattata. Uh, this person's looking at me like I'm really weird. Um, fuck you, stranger. Do you oh, think it's cooled never, off? You don't I really get to enjoyed me watching me. self-conscious. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed watching Donkey play, uh, uh, mm-hmm. he played Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go and it was hilarious because he was like awkwardly throwing Pokeballs like in life mm-hmm. and he's this fat dude dressed up as Ash Ketchum. It was, it was really? great. Yeah. Damn. It was, that's funny. It was funny to watch. Yeah. Pokemon Go was an amazing thing for about two weeks, just because it was such a bizarre yeah. social experiment thing. But the moment the hype added. died down and there weren't like throngs of people hanging around around parks for it, like it was immediately like, mm-hmm. "Oh right, we have to play the game." And you're like, "This game is nothing. There's yeah. nothing in the game. You don't do stuff. Like even the Pokemon battles, which you think would be the whole draw, are like I you think... tap a screen rapidly." Is the I think Pokemon Go basically. is one of the biz- biggest examples I've ever seen of like a completely blown opportunity in yeah, the world yeah. of video gaming. <laughs> An incredibly had... profitable blown opportunity. <laughs> I I could see them making a second one that's actually good and maybe recouping it, but yeah. 
Because like I mean, if they didn't, the expectation is going to be like everyone's going to be pissed off unless it's flawless. Yeah, what they really should have done was just had it been like here are areas where you can catch wild Pokemon, and you know, and it's kind of like the generic ones, and depending on like mm-hmm. what city you're in, there's like different regional variants. You know, kind of like regular Pokemon, and then you can just battle other people, and then. You know, instead of this, like, I'm just picturing regional variants. Like, in America, there's one set of Pokemon, and then in Canada, it's all the gold and silver Pokemon. Dude, like, it'd that's be like great. Shoto. It would be hilarious. And, you know, <laughs> then there would be, like, a reason. Like, uh, you have to, to go like, to Vancouver. To dude, catch, it'd like, be great. Like, imagine you're going on a ski quills. trip. You're going <laughs> on a, a ski trip. You whip, out your, uh, you whip out your phone, and suddenly there's just, like, a butt ton of uh, pseudo Wudos there. And you're like, <laughs> I don't have these. Yes. <laughs> Wow, that that that's really taking that concept and really running with it at that point. Oh, like better than e- easily better the than most they ad- did. <laughs> easily the most addictive part about Pokemon Go is just catching new Pokemon and like filling in your Pokedex right. and be like, oh, that's one I haven't seen yet, and that kind of keeps you going. So like that's mm-hmm. when I briefly played it on my Pismo trip, I was like, oh yeah, look, look, there's just there's 500 Ghost and Water type Pokemon everywhere that I haven't seen before. Like it was fun to be like, I got 25 new things in two days and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. obviously is mm-hmm. gonna have diminishing returns regardless. But just like before long, like that. Like the game doesn't facilitate that in any situation unless you're in a giant no. city or you're on a vacation spot. But there's a problem where like I like when I the moment I go home from my mm-hmm. vacation, I'm like, I basically can't play Pokemon Go anymore because there's just No, it's true. It's so biased towards like urban centers, which in the world of Pokemon makes absolutely fuck all sense. Yeah. Where it should be like I should go into the, the opposite, meadows yeah. and I should find Pidgeys, but instead I go to Walmart and I find Charmanders. And what, what's a bummer is they added one thing that was helpful for the game because they added the ability to make a companion Pokemon, much like you would have like one following you around in some of the other games, where you pick a specific Pokemon to be mm-hmm. walking with you, and that means when you go for your walks, the kilometers you walk generate candy for that Pokemon, which can lead lead to it powering up or evolving and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, you can mm-hmm. specifically have a one to one relationship between walking and powering up a specific Pokemon, which makes way more sense than anything else the game did, but. Mm-hmm. If you live in a like suburban neighborhood like I do, like you can't play the game in any other capacity mm-hmm. because there's no Pokestops anywhere, so you can't get Pokeballs to, or anything else required to play so, the game on just a basic level. Unless it's you find basically Pokestops. like you're playing a really bad version of what's it like? Hey, you Pikachu, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> so without Pokestops in the area, it becomes a pedometer and nothing else, and that's oh. that's just not a game anymore. <laughs> It's almost like what they released with the newer gold and silver, heart gold, soul silver, silver, those little ones. The polka, what are they I called? I just wonder where all this is coming from. Because they had pedometers like, before in Pokemon, yeah. Right, yeah. right. They were literally the little pedometers that you put on your waistband. It's like they're weirdly concerned with making sure that their fans get enough exercise. Yeah. Well, I, I don't understand it. Games are criticized for making people sit for very long hours. So, Nintendo I mean, games love to tell today. you to take a break. So yeah, there are yeah. tons of games that I, say, like, like so many Nintendo games say, like, hey, you're really stressing out over this level. Don't worry. Like, they do that in the new okay. Mario games. You've been stuff. playing this for 15 yeah, minutes. You should roll over to not get bed sores. <laughs> so, okay, oh. this might be a bit spoilery, but... Um, of what? For for near, It's not, like, really a spoiler. Just the very end of the game, you can I, put in messages to other people being like, don't give up and stuff like that. They had, like thousands of little entries you can put in and mine was like my fingers hurt and 
it's out there in the world. So if you're playing near Automata, you might see a little message from Waterbot saying, my fingers hurt in the very final boss fight of <laughs> you, the game. You choose three like sections to your free. sentence. Yeah, it, it's pretty great, actually. I, I, I had a lot of fun with it because what happens is the list of messages starts at the mm. top and it's like super positive, like, you can do it. And by the time you get to the bottom, it's like, uh, give up and like, you know, really demotivate. You like, like it should have said like amazing chest ahead or something. <laughs> <laughs> like the exact opposite of the message given to you by like let it die where it's like oh look it's your friend who died here <laughs> and they gave up yeah. <laughs> and you find the body of your dead friend that's not playing the game anymore and didn't retrieve their playable character <laughs> <laughs> i can think of some nothing less obnoxious than like a hard video game rubbing it in your face that you died like <laughs> that was kind of a thing uh thankfully no like professional video games go with this but, like, in certain Flash games, like, really obnoxious ones um, will be like, hey, you died, you suck. And it's like, making something difficult is actually really pretty damn easy to do. But it doesn't make your game good, you know, yada, yada, yada. A bunch of philosophy mm-hmm. that I'm sure everyone's aware of already with regards to game design. But, like, I remember when I was a kid, I would make my video games and I would make them super duper hard and challenging but that's like really easy to do because all you do is just you put a bunch of enemies. Yeah. Just put more bullets. Like it doesn't make it like a better game or it doesn't make it fair. And then, you know, I really, I'm really bummed out when people comp- when people hype up a game because it's so hard. Yes. Yeah. It's not really a selling point. No. <laughs> As somebody who's, I who I play, I did like a hundred, I think it was 162 Xbox live indie games. Mm-hmm. Games can just be hard because they're bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't get into Dark Souls because I thought, like, man, this is really hard. Therefore, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, was, the hardness this is game not looks really hard, but it, it. Also, it also looks like it has, like, a lot of atmosphere and it has a lot of depth to it. And that's The difficulty of Dark in. Souls is a symptom of having relatively unique gameplay stylings and expectations of the player and right. concrete rules you're supposed and to pay attention to to, to figure out being, how to play it. Being very unforgiving and unrelenting. And like, no, no, this is the way that you should play this game. And it being very, fairly different, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, Dark Souls reminds me a lot of, uh, like, cooperative tabletop games where you have to figure out the mechanics of of the game and carefully understand what's going on and make the right choices Mm -hmm. in order to be able to beat the game or you will just lose. And it's like, usually takes multiple attempts. Yeah, I didn't play a lot of those, but you're talking about, like, um... Uh, the the Call of Cthulhu board games, those sorts of things, really yeah, heavy like Call on that Cthulhu sort of stuff. Or uh, Betrayal Arkham? at House of the Hill and stuff like That's that. One. Like, it's a big one. E- you have to learn learn each one from scratch, basically. Yeah, yeah I I never really thought about that angle before, but um, <laughs> that does kind of make sense to think about that in terms of Dark Souls. I just th- when I think of comparing Dark Souls to other games, I think of Castlevania. It's like uh-huh. a really, really, really good 3D Castlevania game. <laughs> yeah. For me, what I'm, my point is just like the idea, like it's just, it's important to recognize a game on its own terms as mm-hmm. opposed to playing it like just another entry in an existing genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I guess here was like my arc with learning how to play Dark Souls. As a, I first started playing Dark Souls, and I had no idea what the hell was going on ever. <laughs> I was like, I see a guy. I'm going to run up and kill him. I'm dead. This, yeah. is the, like, this is like one of the first enemies in the game, and he just whooped my ass. And then you kind of get to a point where you feel like, 
like you get it but every enemy feels like its own little puzzle that you don't understand like how is this yeah. one gonna screw me over i mean the <laughs> nice thing is like to some degree they do throw you a bone like human enemies generally right. kind of follow common and then that's what i was gonna say after a little while you start to notice like the repetitions in how enemies attack and like what you look out for and then the game becomes like you just like understand it and you can go into a new area and immediately understand how every enemy is going to attack you because they all have the same kind of tells even if it's new models new environments um what have you and that's the mark of an extremely well-designed game <laughs> that like, is I, that is for sure like i i played dark souls for the first time on youtube it was like the first mm-hmm. proper let's play i ever tried to do with andrew on the sad games and it's still up there and what's amazing about that is watching myself because we took like i want to say we took like over an hour to get out of the asylum Wow. Like, yeah, it, the game was just destroying us, and yeah, we could not figure no, out it, how to do it. That's yeah. totally understandable. I think my first playthrough, it took me half an hour to an hour trying to get through that mess, and it was a nightmare. I remember probably like, like half an hour, 45 minutes, now that I think about it, yeah. It's just all it's the ineffectual boss. shit hollows, too, though. And, like, you should not... That's enough, Like, man. nowadays, I look at those guys, and it's like, I can't even imagine dying to them. Like, how did it ever happen? And, like, that, that's... You know what it is? That's how real the learning curve there is. You, you kick the shitholes butts, and then you get to that part where you have the shitholes with the crossbow, and that's when you're like, no, this is too much. There's one ranged enemy, and then <laughs> that the becomes, one with like, the shield. Really... Yeah, and then there's the one with the shield. Like, oh, that's and impossible. The, yeah, dealing yeah. with enemies that have shields is like a nightmare. <laughs> Until you get good. Yeah. Or, or learn how to kick. Once you learn how to kick, uh, it gets so much easier. I wish I knew how to kick. <laughs> it's just <laughs> annoying. It, it's, a, it's exactly like jump attacks, but with a light attack. Super easy. Does it allow you to stun? Uh, what it does is it kind of like knocks blockers. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it knocks back enemies and... Um, if they're blocking, it knocks their shield away, so you can move up and stab them. And yeah. sometimes you can do, like, a special attack, depending. It depends on the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then you fight the Asylum Demon, and you're like, wow, this is impossible. And then you beat him, and then that's when the game really starts, because it never gets easier. Ever. <laughs> and then it you fight the Tauros easier. Demon, and it takes you, like, three hours and you're like, dude, why? I would strip naked and launch myself off the top of the building uh, to do drop attacks to take him out because that was that was the way it worked. That's what uh, I did. I would say that when you're playing your first ever Dark Souls game, you you kind of hit two breaking points. One of them is like 10% into the game when you had your first vaguely real challenge where you actually have to be like nailing the gameplay system. Going through Undeadburg. To yeah, the like Taurus a lot of demon. the Taurus yeah. demon scenario. We're having to go through that entire zone flawlessly to get to the Taurus team to get through that and like doing that in one run. Uh, there's a lot of examples throughout the other games too for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think they did a decent job at making that kind of thing the case for uh, for uh, the Boreal Valley guy because you have the to go Boreal Valley like a whole level to get there. Yeah, and it's, it's the like, exact same thing. Yeah, but then there's also another one about halfway through each game where usually one of the hardest bosses in the entire game more or less shows up mm-hmm. and Dancer. just floors you. But then after you've beaten that boss, it usually isn't too tough to beat the rest of the game. And so like that's what yeah. I would qualify as the game getting easier, is that you finally hit the peak of like, oh, I mm-hmm. play Dark Souls right now. <laughs> and well, what so they now do, I can beat Dark Souls games. 
that that second boss is always a is always a skill check and a gear check. They always yeah. throw in a boss that's way harder to um, basically test you to make sure, like, do you have swords that do enough damage to get you through the rest of the game? Do you have yeah. shields? Are you good enough at dodging and rolling and stuff like that? It's a way for them to um, raise the stakes going into the latter half of the game that um, forces you to improve your skills enough to get through it. Yeah, it usually requires proper evasion, proper damage. Oftentimes yeah, the ability the whole, to take on multiple kit. enemies at once. Yeah. Like Orange Sheen and Smo or the Abyss Walkers uh-huh. or something like that. I would have considered like, the Abyss Walkers as much of a gatekeeper in Dark Souls 3 as, say, like Pontiff no, Sullivan they was. they definitely were because, like... Really? Yeah, because they were... Oh, they, right. There were a bunch of them. Yeah, you have a good point. And yeah, I've seen yeah, them they, It's like the Gargoyles. They, they both kind like of work, the, actually. Though. Those are both good yeah. examples, is Pontiff yeah. and Gatekeepers. They're both things where there's multiple enemies uh, in some capacity, multiple attack types... A lot of mm-hmm. move sets you just have to flat out learn. A fast enemy that can cover a lot of ground that you can't really stay away from or anything like that. Like there's a lot of big enemies and throughout the series that you can literally just mm-hmm. stay away from as long as you want to, and then attack when you want to. And those are not that. They will just be on you like instantaneously if they want to. True. Yeah. You guys huh. need to play Hollow Knight so we can discuss discuss it as part of this topic. I don't have time. <laughs> I know, but and it's I'll like never have every time. Bit of- Every bit of this, is, like, is just Hollow Knight for me. Because, like... I've seen it in action. Sometimes it, you get stuck on a boss for, like, an hour. <laughs> some of them are rough. Some of them mm-hmm. aren't. Uh, one of the things I really like about Hollow Knight is you have these, like, charms. They give you, like, various features. Like, uh, uh, I got one that makes it so I automatically heal one damage. Uh, mm-hmm. The last damage I took and stuff like that. But it's not, like, a full fast healing because once it heals that, it stops. And just various things like that. And it's just this, like, really smart, easy-to-work-with mm-hmm. system. But there's some, like, builds that you can do. So uh, recently, I, I was fighting this boss who mm-hmm. would just roll at you. And he would, like, bounce and he'd roll and, and he'd, like, flap into the top of the, you know, skybox or, I guess, the top of the arena. And mm-hmm. he'd then come, like, crashing down on you. And so I, I made a juggling build. So every time I hit him, I had really long range. And every time I'd hit him, he'd go bouncing away. And so I just sat there in a specific, like, right in the center. And every time he'd roll at me, I'd just bounce him away. And I just juggled him to death. And it was really satisfying because, you know, I could change it around. And it was like, I could have fought him normally, but it would have been a giant pain in the ass. But since, like, I kind of understood how he worked, uh, you know, you can kind of adapt and figure out a new strategy for it. And it just feels Mm -hmm. really good. I don't know. Something I was going to say. Yeah. um, (laughs) Do I want to talk about... uh, what is it, Rainworld? Uh, why, uh, sure. why it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> okay, so Rainworld kind of be, belongs in the same category as Dark Souls games. Just yeah, I like, was going to say, like it seems like a good uh, transition I've there. I've never heard Wander like, swear. I've never been angry in a game, <laughs> with maybe the exception <laughs> of Mushroom 11. It seems so similar to Mushroom 11. <laughs> it, they're both games <laughs> with like kind of poorly... I, it, but I call it like it's quappy. Like uh-huh. you have this like you have this mechanic, and it's very clear what you're supposed to do. But the the fact that like trying to do it is kind of nearly impossible. So like yeah. you're this like little weasel thing, a slug cat, and mm-hmm. you're running around. Um, you're running around trying to. Um, 
trying to you know survive you need to you need to find four pieces of food every day otherwise you uh you can't rest and um you take too long you get rained yeah, on and if die. You, there's a there's a time limit that you don't even know about until it's too late where it starts raining on you which doesn't seem like a serious issue except for once it starts raining you're fucked there's there's no escaping it so all you all you can do is just either die. maybe make it to a safe spot which is you know the standard save location or you die because the rain is actively pushing you down so good luck like climbing or dodging or anything like that um but all the while there are these creatures that are hunting you uh from all over the place so um uh, mm-hmm. there's like kind of these gila monster gila monster like axolotl things birds that come out of nowhere and like bite your face off and just like half a billion things that want you dead plus yeah i just saw, i just the, saw you fighting astrolotes yeah it, yeah, uh, it gets worse. It <laughs> generally just keeps getting worse and never gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thankful that you're not a prey animal. The weird part life. is like the, there's yeah. no like there's no defined route through the game. Like it has Metroidvania level design, which is really odd because you're actually not supposed to like. Um, well, okay, so it's got Metroidvania level design, but there's no like. Uh, bonuses or upgrades that let you like get through the environment faster mm-hmm. there's just um there's Is it just, just a game that's about going. exploration kind of yeah like kind of. there's very clearly a goal though like there's this thing that i call goldenrod that shows up almost immediately it's like go here get some food sleep here stuff like that but like the times it gives you uh like directions on where to go are so few and far between it'll be like by the way you should go over here because there's a save point and then it'll disappear and you spend the next like 10 minutes wandering around being like so where's the save point you told me about and then you get eaten and die and you're like ah um but like the the problem ultimately lies with like the game is so poorly defined it's impossible to like really figure out what you're supposed to do because uh, yeah. I thought it was going to be one of those where, like, you're constantly just going, you know, standard left to right, get to the mm-hmm. end, you know, like all other games. But I have uh, a fan, another YouTuber, that has been, um, mm-hmm. has been like, feeding me tips and stuff. And apparently that's completely wrong. What you're supposed to be doing are, like, quests and, like, exploring. And you're supposed to stick around zones for some clearly, like, undefined reason. The only quest I ever found yeah. out about was the... Don't die quest. <laughs> um, I will say, like, it, it it reminds me a lot of watching you play Mushroom Eleven. Um, but in the it, but it's also an exploration game. But like, so so watching you play this, and I think that this is pretty accurate of what your experience is. Is it's like you never know what to do, really, and then when you do know what to do, the execution of it is so frustratingly hard. That yeah. like it's not even satisfying when you actually do accomplish like some goal. So I, I ran into a section a little while ago where um you find this alien thing and uh it's it turns out it's been the thing controlling Goldenrod this entire time, which alright, mm-hmm. fine. But you get there and then you're like, now what? And mm. so eventually I Didn't killed you basically it. break the game on accident too when I, you got to him I at one d- point. I killed the creature. I, I ate the little drones that were keeping it alive, and then it just flops over on the ground. And you're like, I did I kill it? Like I really have no idea what just happened there. So I reloaded and I made a backup of the save file just in case, you know, bad stuff happened. Cause I didn't want to kill the thing. It was the only thing telling me where anything was in the game. Mm-hmm. Um so I finally uh I finally figured out you're supposed to completely backtrack. 
Uh, what you're either supposed to do is eat those drones and then you light up, or you leave and go How did you figure somewhere that out? completely different. I watched you struggle with an- that. Enough people just told me to do so, and I was like, "All right, I, <laughs> yeah, sure, going with that." What's supposed to happen is you're supposed to meet the creature, and then it, uh, then you have a dream where it's kind of just like, mm. "Go get some of these drone things," and I'm like, "God, you could have told me that like when I first met you or something." You, you know, it's really interesting too, Wander, is that um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you are like one of the furthest ahead players of the game right now. Oh, I'm very, I'm very aware. Most people have given up. I yeah, know Markiplier played like knock it as far as you have. <laughs> I, I know Markiplier played like a little bit of it, so I've been getting a mm-hmm. ton of people being like, "I came for Markiplier," and I'm like, "Not surprised. This game's kind of mm-hmm. hell." So and like, supposed yeah. to be like large... a game that you're when kind of fighting stop? against to even get through. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, so like, you don't what's move that, very like, fast. What's that retro platformer that's supposed to be like? Uh, La Mulana isn't that supposed to be like yeah. a group game that just La wants Mulana... you to not get through it? <laughs> Yeah, the Lana is very clearly defined with its like objectives and mm-hmm. goals. It's just really hard. Um like uh there was one section I knew I need to needed to go through an area, but there are these uh these kind of kelpy tree plant things. And what is they this do in is La Mulana they... or is this in No 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 no, no. this is in okay. Rain World. Like with La Mulana, you know how you can get through, it's just such a pain mm-hmm. in the ass that it's impossible. Whereas with this one you don't really, you can't tell, like, mm-hmm. what the mechanics exactly are supposed to be. So, for example, um, these these kelp trees, they sense movement, but they don't just sense movement, they also maybe can see. Because uh, I was standing on a bank, and one of them was just, like, grabbing, grabbing for me, and I'm like, what? Like, where mm-hmm. is this coming from? Um, but what I had to do is, like, kind of distract them with these, like, fruit things, because they couldn't grab them, because the fruit things don't sink very well. And it would just, like, get, like, trapped up in it. But then I'd start swimming away thinking the plants gotten distracted and like maybe uh-huh. 30% of the time I'd swim past successfully and the other half of the time it would be like, well, can't deal with the fruit. Uh, even though like I've been so fixated on, on it until now, guess I'm going to go eat this thing and suddenly I'm being sucked in underwater <laughs> and I just, yeah. And I have to you wonder, have to get past like yeah. six of these. I, I have to wonder if this game was designed to be one of those games like La Mulana or NetHack or Dark Souls or even I Want to Be the Guy where it is about this shared knowledge, but it just misses the mark on that. Yeah, if it had a uh, if it had a Dark Soulsian like messaging system, mm-hmm. I would be so happy. It's like, sort of like maybe that game just doesn't um, it, it doesn't give you enough that you can go on it on your own and get frustrated and then ask for help. Like it just doesn't even give you that much. But then it's not like deep enough maybe to like really get that much of experience about like oh this is still gratifying even though somebody told me what to do it's just like great now i know what to do thanks and then you just go through it yeah i the problem is there isn't much gratification like it's yeah. relief not gratification like you get through one kind of hellish situation and it's like thank god i don't have to do that anymore and then oh, you immediately yeah. get grabbed by these uh, scissor chickens and killed. But it's, killed not, and it's like, not funny. Uh, like, I want to be the guy where it's like, I'm going to walk under this tree, get hit by an apple, and die. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah. this game takes itself way too seriously to be funny in those it's, moments. It's too dark and dreary. It so there's no, grim. like, there's no happiness about survival. It's just like, mm. well, I... Well, all right, yeah. you talked me into it. And did you get reward? <laughs> do you get rewarded for survival aside from making Rain it to World the next now. checkpoint? Or I, I, th- I think Keith, you would probably enjoy it a lot. You just I mean, have to like. Really? 
I, I think Keith would. Keith is enough of a masochist to enjoy such a thing. <laughs> um, hmm. But I think it's going to be more frustrating than you think it's going to be. Because it's not... I don't know. What it weirdly Maybe slightly it's... reminds me of is that one Adult Swim game that was really neat, except for the part where every time you died, you start the entire game over. Which made it completely uninteresting to beat all the way through. It sounds like net hack. Like it sounds like a roguelike. Yeah, I have oh, no this idea. is an Adult Swim Which game. game. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, Adult Swim. It is an Adult Swim game. Though it's it's published by them. It's not made by them. This it was is like called. Some a, well, I don't British think they guy? make anything. Uh, the, it was called well, Oblitus. It, it's it's an indie as hell, dude. You remember like Oblitus, right? Purple. No, never heard of oh, it. Oh yes, I remember the name. I don't remember what the game is. It was a super lethal yeah, game yeah. and super oppressive. And you're trying to go around, and you can like kind of throw spears at people when you got them. And it was like motion motion huh. tween platformer, but okay. you would just die and start over. Yeah, I remember like, now. And it was like, the did fuck? you actually finish that? No, <laughs> I only did like I only played it for like a couple hours, and I'm like I. I can't start the entire game over every time I die. What the? F yeah. So this is like a little bit better because you don't have to start over. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, one of the more frustrating parts about it, maybe for me, is there's the um, there's a karma system. So every time you die, you get set back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so if you uh, if you if you die enough, you actually can't progress in the game. Uh, because you don't really? have enough karma. Yeah. Jeez. You backtrack or do you die? Why? You have to backtrack and find some more food. Because every time you sleep successfully, uh, you gain one karma. And every time you die, you lose one. Now, there's only like, what, three, maybe four levels of karma-ish? Uh-huh. Uh and uh, there's only like a couple levels of karma. And so, like, it's not a big deal if you go all the way back down, it's just really time-consuming, especially if you're in, like, a really frustrating area. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you can't, if you can't get that HP, well, not that HP, if you can't get that food reliably, you just end up sitting in the pits for ages. So, like, my my second episode's, like, 45 minutes long, and it's just me trying to find bugs. Because I need <laughs> to get three karma, and I have one, and I keep getting eaten by invisible gila monsters. Wow, that sounds particularly miserable. I, I would still say, Keith, it sounds like something you'd enjoy, but I'd still say play Hollow Knight first. They're probably about the same length. <laughs> hey, and, no one, uh, does anyone even know how long this game is yet? <laughs> uh, it's 1,600 rooms over 12 regions, and I think I'm on region 5, and I've got like 10 episodes in. So, like, maybe Rain World's... Um, Rain World is probably shorter, now that I'm thinking about it. But, but the difficulty makes it that well, much longer. Well, it's not even the difficulty. It's just the fun factor. Because mm. uh, I, was, I was looking at it, and Hollow Knight's supposed to be like 25 hours long. Yeah, I'm um, I'm probably about like 85% of the way through. Part of it is, though, like, Hollow Knight is gratifying. Rain World is hell. By the like, way, I, I, when I was looking at how long... On how long to beat, I was looking at the Mass Effect series. Uh, Andromeda is the shortest story since Mass Effect 1 but twice as long as any other game inside content. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. That's we're kind of a bummer. Gonna, <laughs> we're probably going to stop with the side content after a certain the, point. Yeah, the side content kind of seems like super uninteresting so far. So that's kind of <laughs> we, not we encouraging. We haven't done <laughs> as much of it recently, but I was under the impression that 
as you progress with the main story and go to new planets, the old planets are suddenly going to be like, hey, there's something new that you can do here. And then it's like, oh. That is the case, though. Okay. Because, like, we, we like, hundoed Eos, and mm-hmm. there was... Uh, <laughs> Just reacting to your creation. Yeah, we can talk about that in a bit. Um, but anyway, uh, like, we hundoed Eos, and... It's like, by the way, there's still like a shit ton of things to do. Like, there's a there's a cat fortress that we had to attack and stuff like that. That was actually really fun comparatively, but still only partially redeeming. I don't know. Do well, we want to talk more about Mass talking. Effect? I feel like that one's dead. Uh, well, I think part nah. of it is we had recorded a, a number. Yeah, we actually haven't it. recorded. We haven't gone back to it. We for haven't a recorded weeks. it since the the day it launched. Uh, wow. Jesus. And I still have like two episodes. You got that left. much done? We we still need to go back. We, yeah. If you like record for a oh, five you mean hour you, re- session, you, mean you recorded like during the early and then recorded on its real launch date afterwards, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, 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 I, thought yeah. you yeah. Mean, I thought you meant you got all these episodes in two days. No. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> That's just too much Mass Effect in one marathon. So, uh, do you guys, are you guys up for me talking about something completely different? Um, I was I gotta, about to say, are we going to talk about hardcore spore now? I got something yeah. to say about let's, Mass Effect. Okay. 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 So let's hear I, it. So I finished the first planet, or the first mm-hmm. major part of the first planet, or whatever, and I I hate the story and how it's like it's it, I don't it it doesn't make concrete sense. This like basic setup and payoff stuff falls apart immediately, and mm-hmm. it's starting to really bother me because like what you do is you land. On, this is I guess spoilers for the first planet. Like, there's no mm-hmm. major story-ish stuff going on. It's just basic, like, the setup of how the game's going to probably work for the whole game. Yeah, uh, essentially the first settlement failed and you're making the second yeah, one. It's basically the thing where you play an area, a level that feels like it's going to be the structure of every level from there on, basically. is It's basically supposed to be the point. But, like, you land on a planet that has two failed settlements on it. And immediately I have questions because the codex entry for the... Uh, the uh, Pathfinder says that you're supposed to be the boots on the ground first person that's spearheading spearheading all colonization efforts, and yet multiple mm-hmm. people try to colony. colonize before you ever <laughs> even arrived. Which oh, also raises the question: good at it. It also makes me wonder, like, why are you not on the Nexus in the first place? Why are you even on the human arc? That why are you on the thing that arrives a year later, as opposed to the thing that shows up first? If you're supposed to spearhead colonization efforts before a single colonist hits the floor, hits the ground, which is the I word mean... that, which is the word use they use, by the way. And is not the case. But I on top wonder... of that, like... Oh, sorry. Like, the issue here uh, is that they clearly, clearly, clearly establish that these other two colonies were able to deal with stuff like radiation and weather and all the other crap that's actually going on with the planet that they set up as being the problem. The real thing that killed those colonists uh, was the Ket. The alien mm-hmm. enemies that are th- that m- the opposing force throughout the whole game. Those things killed the off the two previous outposts. So then you go on to interact with magical alien relics to fix the world, basically. And then Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, we fixed it. Now we can make a third colony. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, what are you guys doing? Zero colonies have been destroyed by the weather so far. 100% of them have been destroyed by the cat. We'd have done nothing about the cat. Why are we acting like we fixed the problem? But everyone's acting like we fixed the problem. And you put down a colony, like, all right, we got this. And I've... Everyone's so insane. <laughs> have you explored now that you've gotten, uh, like, gotten Eos as a colony? So I can't explore yet because I have to wait oh. for uh, radiation to go away. 
But like, it makes zero sense for them to be colonizing when we haven't dealt with the thing that killed the other two colonies at all. Yeah, you the, do some quests to yeah, fix that. There are some... There but are that's, some, that's backwards, but like, though. The crazy part... No, I, I'm agreeing with Keith here. You should the, eradicate the threat before yeah, exactly. you build again. So the, yeah. the crazy time part <laughs> of all like of this job. is... If you go up that hill that mm. uh, that's kind of to the north of uh, whatever the colony's name is, that's where the Ket Fortress is. Like, they're maybe about three minutes away from each other by foot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's Team Fortress but... 2 logic. Going to build it's... two opposing bases 35 <laughs> feet apart. <laughs> two teams it's in really... a box canyon. It's you ever really wonder why we're goofy. here? <laughs> <laughs> it's really goofy because, like, they really could have, like kind of had you do the mission to eliminate the cat in that facility. Yeah, just a that's minute later. The, yeah, that's actually <laughs> one of the most fun things I've done in the game. Effectively, what you do is like, here's this cat fortress. You walk up to the door and like, mm -hmm. well, start shooting. And you have to like hack your way in. You have to disable the security system. I mean, it plays like a classic open world base attack, but it feels good. Like the combat was fun. And you're effectively just mobbed with endless cat until you deal with them. By the no. way, how inefficient is this operation? Like, we just came here from a different galaxy. We have zero resources so far that, that are coming from our new environment. It's literally everything mm -hmm. we brought with us and nothing else because we haven't established supply lines or ways of making things yet. They uh -huh. have good expectations. Every time we make a new outpost, <laughs> yeah, really. every time we try to resettle EOS, we make a new outpost and ignore the ones we already made, which, by the way, are, like, unharmed. Yeah. There's two there's entire outposts like already damage. there with that where everyone just died. But all their like yep. they're so functional that all of their engines are working, which you turn on, and the radiation shields were already still fully powered when you arrived and active. Like, but they make a new one three times for no reason. <laughs> Wait, so the initial place didn't get repopulated? I thought No, that... there's nobody there. <laughs> what? I'm gonna yeah. repopulate a colony so with Sarah Ryder and like two other female aliens anyway. It just well, keeps starting new colonies on the same in the same like square mile. <laughs> it's like it dwarf fortress. Yeah, uh, yeah, it also, is like dwarf fortress. <laughs> to answer the question about the whole like Pathfinder coming much later, it may have been that they sent the initial vessels as like a preliminary like scout thing, and then they're like, but wait, they the Pathfinders well, Pathfinder would have had to be scout. Mid That's his whole job right. is, this, is being a scout. <laughs> But maybe, yeah, I'm kind of surprised maybe they didn't her, send a Pathfinder the, with the Nexus. Maybe the writer father hadn't developed the Sam AI yet. No, they had to the have because they all left. Like it's a six hundred year journey, and they all left around the same time and all arrive around mm. the same time. Like they, but he the didn't Nexus magically. First. He wouldn't have. They wouldn't send the Nexus first and then be like, "We got to finish our research of this never done, never done before AI implants before we can finally leave." Who knows when we'll leave? Like that—that would be terrible <laughs> to do. Like they, they had, they had to have the whole thing set by then. I mean, there's a number of other questions, like how is Did this they... even happening in the tiny span of time between when humans meet aliens and when Mass Effect happens? Because the hard stop is Mass Effect Two anyway, which is already not making sense. Did they explain uh, how long the Nexus had been up and running and people uh, active there? Over a year. A year? Because everyone's like, oh, okay. yeah, we've been here That's for all. over a year. We were starting to lose hope. Somehow they built that whole thing in a year, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the crucible, really. the crucible is like roughly that big. And the crucible took all the combined force of all of the aliens in the universe. Whereas this is like a ship of people. But they made a whole Nexus in that time, apparently. <laughs> in one year whatever it was only half constructed something which right? by the way no one's ever done before because the crucible's never been made yet in that timeline uh 
based on when they left, I mean, and they never built the, mm-hmm. the Citadel in the first place. So how do they even, how are they so good at building this Nexus to begin with? Because they found the Citadel in the first place. They never made it. <laughs> like, so like they're weirdly advanced somehow in this span of, oh, span of time. Oh, you know, they, they made to scale models, you know, 120th scale models. <laughs> and, and then just blew it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they made it in Minecraft. It's like, <laughs> like dehydrated Oops. fruit. Oh, but here's fun. another fun, weird plot issue. Like, uh, you communicate with Sam in your brain via a quantum entanglement communicator, which is something they mm-hmm. establish in Mass Effect 2. It's how the elusive man communicates with the Normandy. It's only, a, it's only a two-way connection between those two specific places because the only way to do quantum entanglement communicating is to have the uh, quantum entangled Tunneling. particles yeah. as matching mm-hmm. pairs in every single place you'd ever want to talk to from that spot. Now, does so, that just make it highly efficient and instantaneous? It, well, the, the, or? the thing about a quantum yeah. entanglement is that you in can't, theory. like interfere with it you can't jam mm-hmm. it or interfere with it or anything because it has infinite range and no lag because it's it's like crazy physics laws uh but it's super expensive and super hard to do and yet apparently every single pathfinder has a quantum entanglement <laughs> device attaching to sam and mm-hmm. as far as i could tell it it might be that there was already one in all of this possible future pathfinders because your dad has it but then you have one too i think because you're talking to sam mm-hmm. also but why do you also already have a quantum entanglement device? Like, these are supposed to be so expensive that Cerberus, a, a force so powerful that they threatened all of Citadel space in Mass Effect 3, could afford one in Mass Effect 2. And you apparently all seem to have quantum entanglement devices, but also you somehow get your comms jammed in the beginning of the game, even though you seem to have a, a quantum entanglement device, which can't be jammed. But even if we get oh, past yeah. that, if we're going to travel 600 years into a different galaxy, why do you not have quantum entanglement devices between your destination and where you came from so you can talk to your home? Mm-hmm. Even though it won't be the same people, you're not, not going to talk to like your family you left behind because they're all dead, except they're Asari and Krogan. But I mean, like, why would you not want to be able to communicate with, like, the, your home galaxy on any capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's crazy. That's crazy. And then the, yeah, I'm thinking it over. The best part, Keith, is that as the game progresses and you keep playing, you're gonna find more and more little details that'll just piss you off. <laughs> that's why writing sci-fi is difficult. Yeah, I mean, that's why writing anything's difficult. Yeah, but. <laughs> You know, you have to find your references and your research, and they're right. always... It has to be consistent and make sense. So the the uh. important thing about Mass Effect 1 is that it's in love with itself. Yeah. It is so <laughs> it's true. up its own ass about its own importance, basically. So, like, the, the whole thing is, like, the people that made it love its universe, and they need to make everything, and they need, like, these are all the details, and, like, no, we want to explain how the ammo works, because we love it so much, and look at this explanation we came up for how ammo works and why you don't have to reload, like, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this one is, like, a publisher-mandated sequel being written by people that don't love the oh, universe. definitely. Do you remember... So they just have uh, to deal with it, like, oh, uh, <laughs> where are the Quarians? We'll make a hand wave about how the Quarian ship didn't make it. But, like... Why would the Quarians even have an arc? What do you well, mean? they didn't you... have an arc. I thought no, it was they just... Said that there was a, there was, they said that they introduced in a, a dialogue when you talk to your... Uh, I forget if it was one of the people on the Nexus or one of the people on your ship, but one of the side characters says that there was a Quarian arc, but they're running into some issues, so they're gonna they're running behind, and that's supposed to have, like, the Elcor, and it's supposed to have, like, Hanar and Drell on it and stuff uh, like that. Oh, because mm. I remember it was just Asari, uh, Solarian, Human, and... Krogan? Interesting. And Turian. Turian. Those, those oh, are the four so the arcs that are have... definitely coming. But yeah. there's, a, there's supposed to be also a Quarian arc that they weren't quite getting off the ground. 
But like, mm. just think about this for a second. Why would the Quarians make an arc? They're they the smallest them. population of any <laughs> race in the entire game with the least and they resources. Have a home ship already. They have so. yeah, they have their fleet of barely functioning ships that are so wrecked that they have to send people on pilgrimages to bring back stuff to fix their their fleet and their entire mm. mission is to take back their home world. And yet their their tiny government and tiny population is funding a giant ship that's going to have tens of thousands of people on it to leave forever. <laughs> I mean, and literally some benefit of them, that them might in like no the way. Idea of of having a new home world, but mm -hmm. eh. like there's there's no way the Korean government would ever divert half their population's resources practically to bother making an arc for any reason. But like they were just like, ah, Koreans are a popular race. We'll give them lip service for two seconds and not think about it in a rent in a throwaway comment. But like it's if you care about the universe, you're like, what are they talking about? What do you mean you made a Mass Effect telescope with a gap? <laughs> that doesn't make any uh -huh. sense. You can't just make the Mass Effect telescope. That's not how telescopes or Mass Effect uh, fields work. And also, the Geth wouldn't... When did you talk to the Geth? Like, we just finished talk fighting Saren, and we're about to go to war with the Geth. What time window did this happen in? <laughs> now, like, I know that this had been shared in the chat, but there was a lot of... Uh, speculation about like why the facial animations were as wonky as they were and i think uh what was it in this one article a guy said that he had sources from bioware that were his friends that had said oh yeah they had was outsourced it, it was the yeah. witcher guy right, right? oh that's, that's confirmed at this point they um they outsourced most of the uh what they did was they did the mocap mm -hmm. and so essentially bioware they handled the ships, the environments. Yeah, that's why the, the environments tech. look so nice. That's why the ships look so nice. That's why, like, anything that doesn't move looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But the moment it requires any kind of fleshy bits, it looks awful because... And you're right. I, I'd been... Uh, Interesting. I, I'd been in opposition of Wander's opinion that they had, like, mocapped and just stuck with the mocap for faces. But, but that's exactly it, what they did. They did. did. They just mocapped the faces and they did no uh, post animation to make sure it looked mm -hmm. good past that point. Oh, have you seen did how they, bad some okay. of the mocap is, by the way? Like, oh, not horrible. the like, boring mocap, but like, oh my god, this is amateur level, like red versus blue mocap going on. I, I mean, I saw the really bad one where like the character's torso started sliding through themselves. Wait, I mean, what? Did, did, where was this? When you finished EOS and, P and PB, like, it's like, I'm getting on a shuttle now, bye! And she, like, walks backwards onto a shuttle, and her arms are all jittery and weird and, like, way too oh, high frame rate looking. Yeah. And she, like, whenever she, no idea. she whenever like, skates BB's backwards on camera, onto a I shuttle just, like, and spins. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like a, it's, like, a weird... It looks like a weird, fast-forwarded, like, amateur mocap, mo like you would see from, like, the non-Monty Ohm segments of motion-captured Red vs. Blue, where people just look, like, really really awkward and out of place, and, and mm -hmm. most notably, no one was moving like that a second ago, so you're like, why are they suddenly moving completely differently? My favorite part of the way that people move in the Andromeda series is when their legs move almost completely disjointedly from their torsos. <laughs> like, the their upper half problem. doesn't move, and their legs are like... Zoo -ba -zoo -ba -zoo. I've had some special moments too. Like uh, PB mm -hmm. shoots out of the back of her gun. Uh, <laughs> I had Lexi T pose in my first conversation with her. And when I'm oh. escaping the underground facility on the first planet, uh, my character mm -hmm. runs through a solid door in a cutscene. I had uh, Liam <laughs> nice. firing a no gun for a while. That was funny. <laughs> he just nice. didn't have a gun. He was standing there. His hands are in position. Uh, bullets were coming out, but gun? Nah. There, there. there are a number of characters when they blink, their eyeballs show through their eyelids. 
I have special eyes. Shepard is still alive today. <laughs> really? Nice. Um. Well, okay, so Wanda, you did say Mass Effect Andromeda was dead, but I guess you were wrong. Well, it's <laughs> not a dead. lot to talk about. We, have, listen, we, we will have, have a dedicated 10-minute segment every week for the next two or four months. <laughs> okay. Because I'm just going to slowly be pushing through this game and finding new issues. <laughs> I just, I don't want to talk about it too much because it's just like, I I want to finish it. it. Like I don't want to be demoralized from finishing the game. It just yeah. makes right. me look forward to whatever new IP they were actually working on because hopefully more time and care is I'm put just, into it than just trying to regurgitate another Mass I'm just surprised game. the executives thought they could get mm -hmm. away with this. Because, like, anybody should have known Did it that, make like... Money? Well, yeah, but, like, after go. Mass Effect 3, you'd think... Yeah, we should probably make sure we don't fuck up badly here. Well, I mean, look at all the terrible sequels to long-standing series that there's been. I was gonna been. say, like, Aladdin 2, Jafar's yeah. nightmare. Actually, the third one wasn't too horrible. Oh, yeah, um, so it's Aladdin 3, Jafar <laughs> comes back from the dentist. We also had that one weird period of time where it was like a symptom of the PS3 and 360 being around too long, where their various yeah. flagship franchises had already finished their trilogies, so they all got a fourth game that instead of having a number had a subtitle for a name, like Gears mm -hmm. of War Judgment and God of War, oh, yeah. whatever oh, it's called. Like, they got these weird like off-brand fourth games that everyone's largely tried to forget about for like six different franchises. <laughs> He's like, mm -hmm. oh, we got to make a new one on the same console. Because uh. everyone's and playing, I, I, people I usually this... plan like a new franchise for the next console and stuff like that. Yeah, and this harkens back to our discussions before on film and how it's adaptations, remakes, yep. uh, sequels, prequels. New things are scary. Yep, new things are scary. And Mass Effect is like the Power most Rangers, successful. Power Rangers, Ghost, Michelle, and Beauty and the Beast are out right now. Like oh yeah, so, did you see, yep. that's did you 1994. See, yeah. <laughs> Keith, did you see Power Rangers or is that no? I did not. Imagination. Okay, I have not seen Power Rangers. I would see Ghost in the Shell first, but I might yeah, not see any of them. <laughs> I mean, I want to see Logan first, then Ghost in the Shell. I just want to get everything from Amazon a couple months from now uh, when it's like yeah. a quarter yeah. the cost, and I can watch it from bed. And if it's bad, I don't feel bad about wasting 20 bucks on it. I it think is, we'd watch Star Trek that way. It is super surreal seeing one. that movie poster, that uh, that movie theater that has like the, the manual like tile signs you put up that, and yeah, the three things listed are Power Rangers, Ghost in the Shell, and Beauty and the Beast. It's like, where am I? What year is this? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great image. <laughs> it's a really fun time, time phase we're in right now. <laughs> I can understand why Disney is doing what they're doing, but quite frankly, mm -hmm. most of the charm from Disney was the fact that they were one of the few companies that made high quality 2d animation and yeah, yeah but no it's expensive, one does so 2d animation forever. anymore yeah it's goodbye forever is pretty <laughs> accurate uh you can't even do it on youtube are you telling anymore? me there might be something Christ. cynical about the studio planning 40 marvel and star wars movies for the near future well, the thing is, they <laughs> when it comes to Marvel superheroes, there are so many of them. Man, they could they could make movies forever, not even have mm -hmm. sequels to like current characters. They're pretty aware of that fact, so yeah, <laughs> uh, they, they are definitely capitalizing on that specific thing you just pointed out. <laughs> I've got a new second favorite Marvel adaptation now after Guardians of the Galaxy, which is all right. Uh, when's the new one coming out? Legion's so good. It's over know. now, so if anyone wants to catch up on that, the first season's over. It's real good. It's just, 
It's the first. Hmm. I don't know if I've talked about it before, but it's the first time I've seen it like a uh, TV Legion show. Is Xavier's son. Like, oh, there's there's been so many adaptations of Marvel and DC characters and stuff, but especially the Marvel <laughs> ones specifically across all the Netflix stuff and the mm-hmm. NBC stuff and the movies. Every single Marvel adaptation so far has just felt like a by the number of superhero movie. And they're they either are made or break made made or broken on like how good their writing is or how interesting the story structure turns out to be, but they're all like made the same way it feels like and have the same basic mm-hmm. like formula. And oh just, yeah, I, you it just get comes tired down to whether or not the stories. idea was good. But like Legion has like creative vision. <laughs> it feels like you're watching like someone some director's very specific style and story mm-hmm. uh, telling methods, and it's it's super it's super compelling and weird. And I had a great time with it. And they never mm-hmm. mention any X-Men character you've ever heard of in the entire duration. That's good. Oh, nice. Just totally detached. They don't even say he's Xavier's son. They just don't bother talking about he's X-Men. He's the son of uh, somebody. The only, re- the only <laughs> reference to X-Men in the entire show, I think, is the fact that the logo Legion, the zero has an X in it. I mean, the O has an oh. X in it in Legion. So I was like, oh, get it? It's part of the X-Men universe because it's mm-hmm. that one symbol and that's it. So, All right. So shall we talk about Hardcore Spore? <laughs> shall we? <laughs> I think you've been itching to. Keith, are you okay with Hardcore Spore? I'm good. Okay. So Hardcore Spore was my April Fool's joke and quite possibly one of the most popular things I've done in a while. What do you mean by yes. most popular? I have oh, like he has like 130 people. viewers solid. Oh. Well, on Twitch. Yeah, throw in YouTube and suddenly it's like three mm-hmm. times that. I had like 500 people watching yesterday. Well, is it because... I just did it as a joke. Now, is it because when people browse on YouTube and Switch for like current streams, they, they just see Spore and they go, I remember that game. Are you still Not really. really cool? Like this no. game... No. This game was a complete, like, wash, all things considered. I remember when I was little, I thought that it looked interesting. And I was like, oh, maybe I get it. But my parents were like, no. It's like, Your okay. parents did you a solid. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I got, I got Spore got for games my birthday. Star Wars games. I got Spore for my birthday back in 2008. Like, the day it came mm-hmm. out was my birthday exactly, pretty much. <laughs> and I was super excited because, like, hey, uh-huh. you know, I've been, I've been looking forward to this for ages and it was a complete disappointment and it still is to some degree it's just it's funnier now that i'm like producing com- content for youtube I'm- like even right now i'm making this horrible monstrosity that has like a whale face and like noodly ass limbs and shit like that for an evolution game oh, come I'm- on wander i've drawn enough shit <laughs> I- i'm just worthy really surprised at how you can actually remove and add completely different parts like i had always assumed looking at spore that you would build off of sadly no creature. it doesn't no. originally what it was supposed to do is actually like kind of track what you do with your character it was supposed to be genetic and like dna based yeah, right? and right. so you would put in options and you'd get to see the results after the fact. But now you mm-hmm. build it. Instead, I've got, like, this horrible monstrosity just going around the world doing its thing. Rogue uh-huh. Legacy pulled off the genetic system better than Spore did, and it was... <laughs> Which is well, hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, yes, you did hardcore spore and it's hard. It is like, hard. The weird so, part about the game is like actually well, no, like one of the you most difficult explain things what the I've hardcore ever done. Part is 
so yeah, the hardcore part of it is every time you die, you start over. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, this doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world, but like what ended up happening... It wasn't is, set up for that, though, because you're supposed you to were... build off of your previous progress. Yeah, and Is so, the goal like, to see how many attempts it takes to get to space? Uh, kind of. I couldn't get past the amoeba, amoeba phase. It's actually, like, uh, really skewed against you. So eventually mm-hmm. I just gave up, switched it down to normal mode, and it was like, I guess this will just have to do. It's skewed against you because the expectation is that you build off of your old progress, because you don't keep your unlocks when you start over. So yeah. you're basically like, uh, it's a huge uphill fight. But I think that basically the way it works is that once you get past the um, the tribal stage or whatever, you're you basically have beaten the game. Yeah. At that point, it's just as like a long like slog towards reaching the center of the universe, well, then- I guess. Then yeah. you just have to make sure you I, don't get I, annihilated by other I, I said at the very beginning yes. I was just going to cheat to the center of the universe because, like, I it bugs me a little bit because this game, to some degree, feels like proto-No Man's Sky just it from does. the, like, mm-hmm. you know, procedural creatures. The way do you and, like, find out that when you get to the center of the universe it zooms out and puts you in another universe? <laughs> well, <laughs> or I, you're an amoeba you, now. You so, uh, the whole what, universe what was the amoeba of another universe. What actually happens Bloody in uh, in, in spores? You get the center of the universe and you meet what is his name, Gary, and he gives you a staff that lets you uh, uh, terraform any world to be perfect, mm-hmm. and that's it. And he's got like some humorous dialogue, but it's totally not worth going to. It's because it's totally not worth reaching that stage in the game at all. Yeah, it, it <laughs> honestly, never was. once it's... the only good part of that game is the amoeba stage. At the very least, they were smart enough. To know to polish the first, like, three hours so you can't return it. Is yeah. the amoeba stage just uh, Feeding Frenzy? Yeah, it's exactly that. I, okay. I mean, have you There's ever seen any of the bit, IO games but... lately? It's like that, yeah. but with more customization. Which is Feeding Frenzy? Yes. Okay. No, the, the core gameplay is Feeding Frenzy. Yeah, Feeding Frenzy is itch.io, but with fish, and ten years ago. Yeah. Fifteen years ago? It's old now. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty old. And that's when you, you shouldn't just, be too surprised that did well, though. Because like, all your most popular fish. videos, Wander, are like, let's play this game in a dumb, wrong way. And then, it's do it, and then commit to it for like ten hours. It, it was just <laughs> really amusing that it's just mm-hmm. like people latched onto it so much. Yeah. Uh, what you gotta it, do is just now accept the idea that this is your fate, and now you need to find wrong ways to play every game. Because that's uh, what they that's really want. Okay. They just want you to play games wrong and play scrap mechanic. Hey, give in to play that game fairly wrong. <laughs> honestly, like I've actually kind of stopped with scrap mechanic for the most part. Like I think it's been over a week since I put out my last episode. Has apart from like lower views, has not impacted my growth in the slightest. That game had its time, was fun, and now it's nice to move on to something completely new. Yep. We need to figure out more multiplayer stuff, though. Yeah, there haven't been we a whole do. lot of like good new multiplayer games, which mm-hmm. is like uh, one of the one of the main. Dear Lord, for, you like... broke four hundred. Didn't even oh, notice yeah. that. Yeah, I, I figured you wouldn't. Uh, we shouldn't do another maze episode for four hundred. <laughs> so something completely different. The mazes were fun, but that's like uh, Northern Line dedication levels right there. Yeah, our last scrap mechanic I mean, session fun. broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, broke mine too. Like I like oh. I like scrap mechanic, but the fact that they've updated it what like substantively twice 
since mm-hmm. like the game really came out. I just find it amusing that your friend stuff. has probably made more for it than the creators have. Oh, Durf, yeah. After the fact. Oh, yeah. Durf has done a lot of love for that game. <laughs> we would not be for, done the last hundred episodes. If it weren't for Durf and Bird, I would have quit that game so long ago. So I, I have scary spore-related news, which is that okay. Spore, the great, I don't remember her from the Spice the great disappointing collaboration with like Maxis and EA and stuff of 2008, right? Yeah, yeah. And then five years later, the same companies come together to give us SimCity 2013. Oh, yeah. Oh. So next year oh. is going to be five years again. What oh. are they going to do in 2018? Whatever it is, don't buy it. You've been <laughs> warned. Black well, and white three. I, mean, I see a the, trend. Uh, the people Black that and white works... three. Black and white three. That's not even the right company, is it? That's like Doesn't that was matter. Peter Molyneux's company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God it was games. a black and white two. You're right. Yeah, yeah it was. It was I think black pretty and white fucking two. bad. Peter yeah, Molyneux needs to have like an M Night Shyamalan style like Renaissance. I don't. I I think he had that chance multiple times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like M Night Shyamalan made some mistakes, and, <laughs> and then continued to make mistakes. Yeah, and then but like Molyneux Mal- succeeded. But he just Mal- turned Mal- around. Succeeded like maybe once or twice. Like Fable One was awesome, and then after that, it was pretty much just downhill. I guess. Yeah. I guess Black and White One was pretty good. It was that, a decent game. It was a populous. huge letdown. Yeah, oh, Populous was oh. his first humongous success. Right, Destiny's on the PC now, or it will be. Oh, the yeah, that's yeah. unrelated, but yeah. But like that's the what I'm are you to. reading video game news? No, he's playing Spore. Yeah, the I'm surprised with him not Shyamalan is that his last couple of movies are actually supposed to be good. Yeah. Oh. Like he's what? What are his last couple of movies? He's, he made The Visit and Split. Split being that one movie either. with what's his name being having a split personality, uh, James McAvoy. Oh. It's mm. they're like people are re- like I, reacting to these movies really well all of a sudden, and apparently it's because like uh, some stu- like the studio he's working with, I guess, just gives him like less than ten dollars, ten thousand uh, dollars, less than ten million dollars to make his movies, and he has to make to like say, ten thousand dollars is yeah, <laughs> that is that'll get you like, a actor so for about a diminished- three seconds. <laughs> that's that's a signing. So <laughs> uh, a diminished. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So I'm just wondering if like a diminished budget means better writing. It means he has to just make a movie about people in a room that ha- with an idea of some kind. Yeah. Well, I think which is which is all his original like, movies. For some people, after a certain amount of failures, you do actually kind of get the hint that maybe I should stop screwing around so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hit he hit the bottom, the bottom Uh-oh. bottom with the uh, After Earth, like. Yeah, that movie yeah. might have been worse than Last Airbender. Well, wasn't that yeah. uh, wasn't that straight up like Mormon propaganda or something? Or was no? It you're thinking of Battlefield Earth, which was by oh. Will Smith, which <laughs> is a, a Scientology long, long movie. And yeah, wait, you mean there's a difference between Battlefield wait. Earth and Battlefield Earth's not a, a Will Smith movie, is it? You're thinking of Travolta. Yeah. John yeah. Travolta yes, movie. My yeah. Well, wasn't is... Will Smith in Battlefield Earth? I don't think so. He was in After Earth. After After Earth is a 2013 movie with Will Smith where he's blatantly trying to make his God son a star. God damn it! I was trying making... to. <laughs> I was trying to correct, and now it's like all. Oh, yeah, you're man. all wrong. Everything your brain I is wrong. I haven't Stop heard it. of it. After <laughs> Earth. What was the? It's comics? the Will Smith movie. Will Smith and his son, Jaden, of course. Yeah. Uh, crash land on Earth again, and it's covered in critters. Our and eyes aren't real. Oh, 
that one. Wait, I remember the trailers. Is, After Earth is also like a Scientology movie. Man, yeah, well, any movie that ends in Earth is a damn Scientology <laughs> thing. What the hell? Now, now we're gonna we need to go find the Scientology message in Disney's Earth. <laughs> or those Dave Attenborough documentaries, like. <laughs> what about Titan AE? I could uh, see it. They had arc ships. Oh, yeah. AE means after Earth, huh? Yeah, that was the one huh. with the big robot, right? No, that's I, the Iron I, Giant. You're probably thinking of. Um, I mean, there's a lot of big robots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Titan AE was the one about uh, humanity, like, got completely destroyed by these creatures that believed in some prophecy that humans would be the annihilation of their own kind. So, like, we're going to preemptively destroy mankind in order to prevent this prophecy from taking place. Which is funny because uh, I think the protagonist's father or something had helped uh-huh. with this Titan project, was, which was essentially a planet-building ship. Like, it could somehow spawn a new planet so from... So, I got, I got bad news. I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for Titan AE, and yeah. there's a section on it that says Scientology Influence. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There isn't a section, but it's believable. That's where we're at right now. Scientologists got to stop making movies that end in the word Earth. I find it interesting (laughs) because I'm wondering, um, like, if I don't don't want to say that, like, Mass Effect was influenced by it, but humans were, like, the new guys in the neighborhood when it came to interacting with other races. And they were jerks about it. Yeah, yeah, the other aliens were jerks about it. They're like, hi, you're home. No, no, got we destroyed. were jerks. Humans oh. were mean. Humans were jerks too? Well, yeah. to be fair, we got there and the. Uh, what's Garrus's race again? Oh, wait, wait, you guys are talking about Mass Effect? I was talking about. Uh, I was talking about how they interacted in Titan AE, but. Oh. Whatever. Oh, yeah, well, you so did in, say Mass Effect in the sentence. Yeah, in, <laughs> sorry. In Mass Effect. We got there more or less, and then immediately everyone declared war on the humans. So it's just yeah, like, because we just kind of like like showed up and we're like, well, 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 look at all you like jackasses. I guess <laughs> we're gonna be the number one around here, right? And then we like, well, it's, it's know, more like we encountered did. the Turians and then fought the Turians. Yeah, yeah. and then everyone's like, whoa, 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 Cut, chill out. There's like yeah. a whole like space federation. Oh, you see, in Titan AE, humans were essentially indentured servants to aliens because without a home world of their own, they had to rely on the mm. aliens to provide them with resources and work and other things. Oh, yes. Yeah. Get the humans to build our monuments for us. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do my taxes. Oh, don't you have a human for that? No, no. I forgot to feed him. They're they really a human. They also give you a tax anyway. break while they do your taxes. <laughs> uh-huh. and you, have, you have a human being filing the tax break for their own existence. Damn, <laughs> that would be existentially demoralizing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I might be a monster. On the other hand, I mean, at the very least, they're getting paid. So... I just so find it interesting I've, I when get backlash for that kind of stuff because I'll be like killing sentient creatures in video games mm-hmm. and reminding everyone that they're sentient creatures that won't go home to their families and stuff like that. <laughs> well, it does make you wonder how many enemies you go through in the course of a game. I mean, yeah. it's oh, astronomical. Yeah. 
I mean, it's really hard to play the first Nier game back-to-back with the Zelda game and not think, wow, Link's a monster when you're playing the Zelda <laughs> game. <laughs> yep. That's the whole point in Nier, though. Because they have, like, identical gameplay, except in one, you mm-hmm. find out that everyone has hopes and dreams that you're killing, and, like, they have narration constantly playing the on the screen in, like, in subtitle can, form about how you're a monster. Can I uh, find so love? I, I was actually reading the, uh, the uh, like, one of the interviews with Yoko Taro and his, like, inspiration for starting the um the Drakengard like near series and he's like I was playing a video game and I realized I'm killing a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and so whenever you bring that up as his inspiration, I'm like, that is actually like super cool and I wish more developers had like more thought into it. Yeah, he's someone who's bothered by the fact that the primary way that video games express themselves is as violence. Yep. Right, right. Which is actually it's changing. not like puzzle games and other is it games changing? Where... Hmm? Yeah, I mean, kinda. Kinda. It's changing more and more, and that more and more often, like, surprisingly successful stuff comes out in the form of, like, Undertale or Night in the Woods, where your primary form of playing the game is to talk to people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, in Undertale, you can talk to everyone until they don't want to fight you anymore. I mean, I will say that as uh, somebody who is interested in a lot of game design, something I have butted up against a lot of times is, like, the violence aspect, where I'll be designing something and I'll immediately realize, like... I just basically took it as a base assumption that, like, the primary mechanic is going to be you are killing something. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not games... a problem. I don't really... I kind of gloss over it and just move through it because, I don't know. I think, I think part of it is it's ingrained that, in, like, the social it, aspect. It really is. Because it really I, is. all of our old tales of, you know, heroes vanquishing dragons and mm-hmm. fighting, you know, warring clans. And, yeah, it's... I, I suppose it plays into, like... The whole, like, I am strong and macho it, it, and... Well, Ooh. it really makes me think of, like, Bloodsport. Like, going back, like, that far culturally. Um, how, like, ingrained... Hunting. Yeah, it, that as well. But, like, how ingrained um, violence is into, like, the way 99.9% of video games exist. Oh, yeah. Also, the, I like, think the, it plays like, the way into... you start making a game is you make a playable character and you make an enemy and you figure out how they fight each other. And then you yes. make a rest of the game That's, around that. That is literally like the core of almost every yeah. game, the way that yeah, the design that too, process works. I mean, when it comes especially to games that are like a versus, uh, it's about win and loss. So that's mm-hmm. why you have things like Battleship and uh, Stratego and mm-hmm. Risk and such. It's all about warfare. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's so interesting about playing tabletop games is that it has you questioning the basics of what makes a game a game in the first place. Like video mm. games, video game audiences are so attached to violence that the moment a game doesn't have violence, they start pointing finger towards the idea of like it literally is not a video game now. It's some sort of interactive experience, or they try to make up with like decrediting that's words because they're like they're huh, they're that's dumb. Yeah. They feel so insecure about this terminology because they're so used to violence in other games that the moment it's not violence, it's like something else somehow. But so like, like puzzle games like Mist, and I know that you were recently playing Quern, among other things, yeah. like. They're just an experience. As well, like simulators, to... or like I, I think <laughs> yeah. about our average tabletop game we play because we we have a, Marty has a horrifying collection partly because he keeps supporting Kickstarters for for board games and then they just show up. <laughs> he's uh, one of your roommates, I assume. He's my he's a guy that owns the whole house. Oh, uh, the ho- okay. It's so incredibly rare for any of these games to express themselves through violence at all. 
There's, like, there's so many Takenokos where it's a yeah. game about a, a poor little farmer trying to make bamboo of certain heights and colors while a panda's going around eating them. Like, and that's the whole <laughs> game. Or suburban planning games and things like that. Or even Resistance is a game that's, that's technically kind of about violence, but it's the basic mechanic is about figuring out who is or isn't the traitors among your group via social mm-hmm. deduction. No, just, it's true. So many board games are like way freer, I think, than yeah. like video games, despite the fact that there's very little reason for it at all. Yeah. Well, um, you you are still yourself. You're not yeah. acting through an avatar. That I guess uh, uh, yeah, that's true. I guess another big thing is that board games are by and large inherently social, whereas you don't really have that guarantee with most video games, right? Where like if there is social interaction, it's like first off, um, uh, you can't really like make that uh, cooperative without basically running out of content really fast. If you make it an adversarial setting like Team Fortress Two or something, then you've you know you have one team pit against each other. Violence mechanics like start to play in that, and then it kind of makes itself as compared to like a cooperative game where you don't get that. I don't know if I'm expressing this point particularly well, but yeah. uh, you have to keep you have to keep making original content for it. Otherwise, players will beat it and then just move on because there's not really much to get out of it anymore. Right, but it's not the end of the world, honestly. And it's much easier it to create money. new enemies or new zones for, like, say, an that's MMO another, than it is to create it, new. Yeah, that's depends. a big part of it. I don't. I I wouldn't say that it always makes less money. Like the witness probably has been a much more efficient money maker than like uh, Wildstar ever was. Which one was the witness? That was the <laughs> mislike by Jonathan Blow. The, oh, that's the one that you the, guys the were playing. Game. That's the beautiful the, island. Yeah, Shell, yeah, yeah. Shell was not. Uh, I was not present with for me it. at the time. So she, oh, you should play I, it then. Yeah, you should experience yeah, I, that. I'm it seems like a I played it. I remember yeah. when you got really upset with the. Dun, 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 oh, dude, Hall of the Mountain. Yeah, when, when are you guys gonna start recording uh, Shell record? Uh, just like solo recording through puzzle games. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. we still have all the missed footage. Uh, she is perfect. She has a YouTube channel. She is perfectly w- yeah. welcome to. She uh, wants to put her paintings and enriching I'll, activities on, on there. That, <laughs> on that earlier topic, just because like because he started he started talking about like whether or not thing, games profit and stuff like that. Like for me, the important thing is who's making the argument. So like obviously the people making games, especially publishing games, will make arguments about whether or not certain things are successful and stuff like that. That And that's a, kind of one of the evils mm. of, the, of the industry you just kind of have to deal with. For me, the bummer is when the audience themselves push back against innovation by having such a staunch expectation of what the entirety of the medium should be like. And that's always mm, really yeah. disappointing to watch in action because like every time you push away from like a gone home or a her story or an undertale or anything that's vaguely different or weird that or any or like you know anything keeping... along the, the thought process of Yoko, Yoko Taro like questioning mm-hmm. the basic fund- fundamentals of video games and and what we expect out of them like mm-hmm. the more we shake things up the more we can get really cool stuff for that no one expects at the same time like uh i'd say the industry is definitely adapting in favor it of is, that yeah. like Oh yeah, and there's things like Portal that do very well. Then there's no combat in that. You're just trying to progress. To be fair though, Portal was made by like an extremely respected studio at the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you know, Gone Home 
made Gone by Home kind of somebody followed... basically by themselves. <laughs> well, yeah, but also like Gone Home followed Dear Esther, which yeah. uh, was not oh. a particularly good. Um, it was like a museum like predecessor. Yeah, yeah I guess, like... but I mean, Dear Esther was stupid popular. Was it? it uh, in underground circles, like Dear Esther, it was like kind of revered as a mod for being so different. And then I, I you know actually, the I HD think remake comes it, out. Like, cult classic kind of yeah. thing. The, the problem with Dear Esther is that the HD re- remake comes out and everyone's like, oh, this is cool. And people have said that this thing is really cool. And then they play it and they're like, what the hell? But like, because it, it got really, really like a lot of exposure for, and it was not really something that was equipped to be exposed in that much. Well, it was a um, mod. It was a mod. And then they gave it a remake and sold it for like $3 or something. And it, bucks. Uh, a lot of people bought it. And then the Stanley <laughs> Parable comes out and it does that like so much better. But, uh, and everyone points to that as like, this is done well. And it's like, yeah, but Stanley Parable came out after Dear Esther and built off of that like a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's learned from its <laughs> mistakes. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I got to I got around to Stanley Parable so late and had already seen so many things that probably built off that that for by the time yeah. I got to it, it was like watching The Godfather forty years too late. Where I'm like, I I don't I don't know I why we're ta- to, why it's so hyped. Like, I tried to do a a small thing with a shelf for Stanley Parable and I was like screwing around and she's like, "This is dumb. You can play this alone." And laughed and I, I was like, "Well, I don't remember what was what was going on." Eight, eight, eight. Eight, 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 eight. eight. Yeah, Stanley Parable was kind of low impact for me, despite like, like I, I, I end up being like the naysayer of the group for that game in a weird way. So I never expected that because I thought I'd love it. Here's the thing about Stanley Parable: for like most people, the experience of Stanley Parable being so mind blowing was the experience of Dear Esther when it was a mod. Yeah, and then when the HD remake comes out and everyone poo poos it. Is like what you were saying, where you were kind of like, "eh, I don't get it." Um, it's it, it, that that game has a weird history that I don't think people are really like too much aware of. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of um, in, it, it was really uh, as somebody who was familiar with both mods to see like how they were released and how they survived in the HD remake market. It was really yeah. strange to see how it all played like, out. For me, Beginner's Guide had way more punch. Mm-hmm. Even though it was probably more of a Dear Esther than Stanley Parable was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was definitely very much more Dear Esther-y. Yeah. But like Stanley Parable, like I got one, I got like one or two of the special endings and I was like, okay, I get it. And I, I even laughed a fair amount. Like I, I thought it was pretty funny at first, but then like trying to hunt for any more endings, like it quickly had diminishing returns of like, okay, he, I'm going to go to a place. He's going to have like a meta commentary about video games. He's going to talk for a long time. And I might be able to interrupt him at some point if I do a certain thing, and then you wait for the next ending to play, and then you loop back to the beginning and try again. And I'm like, before long, I was like, I'm kind of just listening to audio logs, and I kind of already yeah, know what he's gonna say. <laughs> like, uh, I, I will say that that's very true about Stanley Parable. After like the third ending, you get the joke of the game, and yeah. there's like way more endings than it is welcome. I hit a point where I felt like I could write the endings myself while they were happening. Like it, I, it wasn't really surprising mm-hmm. me anymore, and I don't know if that's but because I, I was just already too far ahead of the game, or like mm-hmm. maybe a lot of people just don't think about it when they're playing it or something. But yeah, I don't think it was a game that was meant to be one hundred. Did yeah, like, but I got. I, I think got the like, whole point is you're like supposed to get a couple did. endings. Yeah, you're supposed to get like three or four endings, and then you're like, okay, I get the gist of this game. But yeah. they present this like 
breadth of choices because they know that most people are going to pick different endings throughout all of it. But at the same time, it has like an asking price that would incentivize you to play it for more than half an hour. I would say that, yeah, I think that uh, Stanley Parable's price point was a little bit high for what the content of it was. It was still really good, and I feel like they earned that money, but like in terms of replay value, like, yeah, the value isn't really quite there. Yeah, like my my issue point. isn't like because I I don't really question prices too much so like I mm-hmm. I would never begrudge them for the price itself and say they don't deserve it but I but I just say that like the price's existence incentivizes you to try to get more out of the game rather right. than just playing than stopping almost immediately like you would with a flash game with Stanley Parable it was other things than replay value that drove the price point up like the humor was really good and yeah. then the other thing is that that game was stunningly well, brilliantly marketed. You also um, have to account for like uniqueness and market, yeah. Because like, there's no can't... competitor to it, honestly. <laughs> At the time, you can't. Uh, yeah, like, what's a good example? I mean, the witness. The witness for mm-hmm. thirty bucks, I'd say, is worth it. A lot of people would probably disagree with me on that one. Mm-hmm. But like, um, but fuck them. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you yeah. can't under you can't understate like how important having like a, a unique game is on the market yeah and you like, can't say how... it lacks duration or polish yeah no yeah all right let's do we have any viewer questions yeah let's see here yeah we can look through those i should i have to do this one first because we have our own reasons to talk about it uh ryan victor okay. who by the way is the person who does all the time codes for these things so shout hey. out to him thank you he asks, in the spirit of April first, have you witnessed have you witnessed a good prank? Oh, Any of yeah. you? Oh, do sport? you want me to? Oh, <laughs> okay, I didn't witness it this year, but I can I can tell okay, the one well, from last year. Okay, well i I need to I need to fess up to something. I only got hit by one April Fool's. <laughs> okay, and it was fucking Keith. He <laughs> was Keith. He put out a Persona 5 video. (laughs) Now, this is... Persona 5 comes out in like a day or two. So This is the only April Fool's joke I've ever done. (laughs) I thought Keith may have gotten lucky and gotten a press copy for once. And this is like a game that I specifically... Oops. uh, A game that I specifically also want to cover. And so him getting a copy before me is annoying because I want to be like on par with Keith or ahead of him. I knew it would press your competitive buttons. (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. I like to be ahead of you in games because when your Discord talks about it, I can actually be there and pay attention. I like listening to your Discord because they're very much on like on point with the game. And um, <laughs> are they, it up, are they more Discord. like intellectuals? <laughs> oh. or, is that what you mean? I my Discord likes like Zelda and stuff like that, and I'm not going to begrudge them for Those- anything of the sort. But like, uh, it bugs me when Keith's ahead of me in a game because I can't talk about it. Uh, with anybody because then I get like crazy spoilers and I'm like no I don't want that so some people picked up on the fact that it was a joke because (laughs) the title of the video was let's play persona 5 part 1 meet the waifu pillow that talks back to you yeah, yeah. The moment I saw the I literally typed waifu cringe into google (laughs) I typed waifu cringe into google and found a title that fit that and copied (laughs) it into my title (laughs) I'm like that's I gotta I gotta do that because it weirdly it's weirdly accurate to like a cynical interpretation of visual novels. <laughs> a little bit. 
But yeah, I, I uploaded four Xbox Live Indie Game videos from back in the day, merged into one video for 45 minutes to make it look like an RPG video, and uh, called it a Persona 5 Let's Play for April Fool's Day. <laughs> and I got a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Your like-dislike ratio for that is It's 73 impressive. to 43. <laughs> yeah, people were not happy about Some that. It's like, happy. come on, take a oh. joke. <laughs> Uh, some people yeah. actually watched the like video it. and really enjoyed it too because it's actually some of my favorite Xbox Live indie game videos. <laughs> I was gonna say, like some of I actually watched a little bit of it and I had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really fucking weird videos. Like cause uh yeah. one of them was uh, must be really weirdly mind blowing. <laughs> like one of them is Scarlet the Zombie Slayer, which was like a really terrible side scrolling beat 'em up game, but had it all mm. had hand drawn graphics, like really badly hand drawn. But right. despite how Keith, bad is this video on listed, I can't find the uh, Persona it's just 5 called, video. It's, he now renamed it's just called it. Let's it's, Play Xbox Live Indie Games. It's got the gold fish with the arms. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, I see. Uh, Scarlet the Zombie Slayer was crazy because it was full of like it lo- looked like garbage, but it did it. It also played like a modern AAA game in that mm-hmm. every couple seconds, out of like it would it would suddenly show like a uh, cinematic cutscene that you don't control or a quick time event or something. But it'll all be super mm-hmm. badly drawn, but all unique mm-hmm. as you were going along. So he's going through a ton of work to make his really badly drawn game, and like it was so weirdly elaborate with all these cutscenes and stuff mm-hmm. that it was just such a it was a blast to experience. Then we have. We have a game called Unbreak- Unbreakable Chain that I can't even explain. Where like you're like, you're yeah. Just that continually... was actually the part of the video I skipped to when I really yeah. like it sunk in that I. In un- Unbreakable Chain, you're it's like reverse, it's like reverse spore. You keep playing as various animals, getting eaten by bigger animals, but then instead of losing, you take control over the bigger animal and get eaten by something else. But it's it is also <laughs> terribly drawn. There's a game called like <laughs> not interesting. There's a show. game that's like no, arrow. Well, no, no, I was wondering if wait. So you're saying that it's like a parasite that takes over what eats no, it? No, you just play as the guy that ate you. You just keep oh. playing as whoever ate you over and over it's, again yeah, going up the not, chain. It's not good. No, I, I it's like, not I good. It's just a what the fuck game that you encounter. Thinking if there was some parasitic thing like you know the parasites yeah. that live inside mice or rats that, yeah. that uh, can sort we, of compels them let's, to let's remain docile. And, and then Shall the, we the, should the, play the Last parasites of Us together. The Last of Us is based on but oh, my, really? my favorite is this game yeah, yeah. where you play as a green hand coming down from the sky like God. And it looks like a like a what the fuck Japan oh, okay. seriously video like from a, mm-hmm. that, like one of those ones where like what is what's going on with Japanese advertisements that kind of video. Because it's a game with no words any anywhere really. And you're you're a God hand from the sky coming down and you're like grabbing seeds and just pushing them into the ground and they with a finger and they like, turn into a, a tree and you like. Do this almost masturbatory animation on the tree to like jet to like whittle it into being a rocket, and you're trying to figure out how to make rockets take off. And like all these, it's just it's something about its animation is so bizarre and nonsensical. Wasn't it's there a, a weird game a that you had played with hands that were like touching each other? Oh, plug and, and play. It's also a photorealistic oh. hand in a cartoon game. <laughs> oh, sounds like Terry Gilliam. That's really off putting. <laughs> plug and play does not count, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think overall, though, um, April Fool's Day was pretty low key this year. It was super mild. Yeah. What I, bugged I, me was there was a bunch of like political headlines that I was like, that can't be like. Uh, I, I don't want to get into the politics true, of it, but, but it, they were like I've been following politics a lot lately, and a lot of the high uh, the headlines yesterday were like, wait, what? They sounded like onion headlines, but they were real. 
Yeah, and then I was just like, okay, I gotta put this away because uh, like Yeah. I will okay, say I... I've been following politics. Last week was like a lot it's of been stuff a weird roller so coaster weird. this past month. But anyway, that's about yeah. all we'll say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I was actually bamboozled by, uh, I think it was one that was like a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, you know, reading the the morning news and stuff, and somehow I'd come across, uh, a, like, Disney acquires the rights to Star Trek. Yeah. And I was uh -huh. like, what? What? Ah! I was, like, running around the house, and I'm like, Dad, Disney may have bought Star Trek. And he's like, what? She called the me. Then they would own Star Wars and Star Trek. And I'm like, ah! It would be like if they <laughs> she, bought Disney She called DC me as to well. freak out about this, and I'm They've like, They've already Shell. been directed by the same person. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, it was on multiple sites, too, so I didn't know if it was all of them colluding with one another, or if one grabbed it from the other, believing it was truth. And it just spread. So... <laughs> Uh, Actually, um, the one the one really cool April Fool's thing, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, Rick and Morty season three coming out yesterday. Oh, uh, that was kind of cool, but so douchey. Why? Because they didn't show the Samurai Jack episode. Oh, yeah. So they aired oh. a they aired a Rick and the Rick and Morty season three premiere during Samurai Jack's uh, time slot, and then didn't uh, air a Samurai Jack episode at all that night. Oh. So the Samurai Jack community was like, like the Samurai Jack okay, community that, that likes Rick and Morty a... thought it was awesome. The <laughs> Samurai Jack community that does not like Rick and Morty was furious. <laughs> like I can, that I... much-awaited uh, revival of a long-dead franchise. Yeah. Oh, there was Netflix I... Live. Oh yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that I heard weird. Wait, what about Netflix? Netflix Live, they had an actor. I don't remember which actor. It was Will, Fer Will Arnett, the guy who plays Bojack Horseman. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And yeah. Batman from Lego movies. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, he was just standing around <laughs> narrating his day, if I remember right. Yeah, he's yeah. like, this is a chair. <laughs> yeah, he let's play doing nothing. It was great. <laughs> He'd be like talking about like a copying machine. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably funny because he's that he is a funny person. Lemons. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, yep. So that's our April amusing. Fools. I suppose. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed because April Fools fell on a Saturday, and I was looking forward to punking out on my coworkers. But I guess I'll have to well, wait till next year. Yeah. <laughs> you just right, gotta punk question. out the internet. Do I have another question? Uh, we should have we talked about this already. There, there's somebody. Uh, Ted's asking, "What's everyone's favorite films?" <gasps> that that could go on forever. Yeah, we've talked about yeah. that before. Yeah, we have. I feel like we've talked about films. I mean, it's funny that like, he's like, "Y'all talk so much about video games. Why not spice it up?" I'm like, "The our well, our we, entire we previous run movies. of podcast was almost <laughs> exclusively about uh, movies for movies. long durations of it yeah. and anime." <laughs> I think we're on like a movie hiatus. Yeah, well, a little bit. I, I've kind of been refusing to watch movies until they come out well after the fact, which kind of ruins it. But it's just like, I just, I've found too many movies that I just don't like lately. So it's just been like, eh. Mm -hmm. Many of my favorite movies are dirt old. So. I mean, There's not another dirt old, bird question. But... Yay! Got Omni Negro asking Did Bird ever play NetHack? And if so, how long to the first ascension? Oh, yeah, we've talked a little bit, Ami and I, um, 
about NetHack, like maybe like a week ago or whatever. Are you all, uh, are you three aware of what NetHack is? I've played the shit out of NetHack. I'm sure so you I have. Yes. What does NetHack look like? I mean, maybe Asking. I can. We played it on the right? No, NetHack is a, an ASCII game you know, from there's a before very the real internet. Pos- there's a very real possibility I've played it in front of Shell and she has no idea. Was it the Probably. one where you just input lines and it spits something out at you? No. Or, no. Okay. That's Zork. Then what, then what is it? It's like um, a it, it's like a roguelike, but it's from before computers had graphics, so to speak. Oh. Like it, it is it's uh, it predates oh. the internet. It's like probably as old as email is. Looks like and, there's uh, graphics mods though for oh, it. Did it print stuff well, out? Yeah, they, and you had to. They had they released one with a, a graphic user interface recently on Steam actually. Okay, um, I actually unplugged my headphones as I tend to do a lot. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about there being a net hack on, like they made like Thanks. net hack with graphics. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yeah, net hack is uh, built up entirely out of uh, the ASCII character set, mm-hmm. and it's um, actually really similar to a lot of the games that we were talking about at the start of the podcast because net hack builds up uh, entirely on shared knowledge. So the depth mm-hmm. of net hack is infamous. Where, like, you'll die uh, if you kill a cockatrice, for example, um, and you put it in your inventory, you hang on to its corpse. If you uh, are encumbered when you start the next zone, um, what happens is you trip down the stairs because you take the stairs to get down. If 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 you have a cockatrice corpse in your inventory, you have a chance of dropping the cockatrice when you fall down the stairs and petrifying yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's examples like that all over the game. Sounds like, like, um, King's Quest Dickatry. Yes. Where, uh, like just tiny, tiny, tiny little corner cases the, the, the developers thought of and then, uh, like coded into the game, uh, <laughs> specifically to just add, uh, an air of realism to the whole thing. Um, it's things like uh, you can you can write down a sign that protects your stuff and protects your body from enemies to give yourself a little brief uh, reprieve. But if you cast a blinding spell on that enemy, they can't see the sign that you write down, and then they can so, go through it anyway. Like tons of stuff. Yeah, right. Um, right. It's like dwarf fortressy levels of like. Huh. It is. It, it's, it's like pretty a lot similar. of. It's like it how looks a lot like of recent- the same too. Yeah. Games have uh, added mechanics for oh you've made your enemy wet therefore they're susceptible to you know electricity yeah, or other. It actually is kind of similar to that sort of stuff. Or, That's or correct. Or freezing. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, but if you use a fire, it's like Magicka. Yeah. I think pretty much. You yeah, know, if Magica you use a fire spell, that. you dry them off. Wee. Yeah, so stuff like that is kind of all over the place in this game. Um, and mm-hmm. the other interesting thing about NetHack is that it's really really hard. And it's one of those games where when you die, you start over. Your progress mm-hmm. is eliminated, except for what you learned about it and like what skills you picked up in that run and yeah, what to look out for aspect. and stuff like that. Yeah, so um, I it, it's like about 20 levels long. And if you're good at the game, you can beat it in like an hour. Um, yep. But uh, it takes like years to learn the game deep enough to actually beat it and i'm not exaggerating if you use the wiki if you play alongside with like a wiki open on your second monitor and you look up every single thing that you run into you'll probably beat it in about a year yep um 
but without the wiki, it takes probably about like eight to ten years to learn how to beat the game. My, Whoa! But yes. my, with how much practice a day? That's just horrifying. Uh, you play it like an hour a day, two hours a day. You can probably beat it in about five yeah. to eight years. I would, I would play yeah. it at the uh, at the hospital I worked at while rendering videos, and I think I only made it as far as like level seven. Is it I at mean, least entirely turn based? Like you don't? There's no. It is yeah, no reflex. So you have time. You have time to think about everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, according to Omni, it took him two years to beat it when he played it, and. Um, Omni that, is old as shit. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Omni, but I'm going to give you shit here for it because you give be everyone shit all the time. Though, to play with like a giant, with like a whole group of people, right? Yeah, but what like I'm saying is that everything. Omni played it when like wikis didn't exist. So, yeah, <laughs> and like when the internet was like kind of a brand new thing. So yeah, um, I kind of want another anyway. thing where a bunch of people sit down and try to solve I something together. The sound of I kind dial of had up. fun with that with the uh, frog well, fractions uh, too. Yeah, if. If we ever want to do a, uh, <laughs> if we ever want to do like a a uh, a net hack like group thing, oh, race, I, so you can make it to the third level the fastest. Yeah, I'd be down. You'd probably be win. Fun. I was so, thinking more cooperative. May, oh yeah, that'd be pretty fun too. Like, let's all try to figure this out collaboratively. Kinda, but I mean, the audience for people that would want to see that is tiny <laughs> if we played the ones you never with know the... until you try that's, i don't think that hack is really a hot an seo hot spot right now yeah <laughs> uh, sort of like there's a there's a certain point where like um even if it's not like a particularly great for seo a lot mm-hmm. of people will watch it anyway just because like hey that looks interesting Factorio. Sure. yeah sometimes it's just people, people watch it because it's a weird project Mm-hmm. Also, if you're one of the only people that's I ever mean, covered hard, something, you can still get. Yeah. Oh, NetHack is very famous. I'm sure there's tons oh, of videos on okay. YouTube already. <laughs> NetHack. Well, I mean, NetHack is one of the. It's. It was a freeware game, and it was just like handed around on floppy disks on college campuses. It's like, one of those yep. things that a lot of people just knew about, like RuneScape. Uh, yeah. Everybody who was into like computers uh, in like 1988 or whatever. Or was on like a college campus using like the old like shit like that, whatever the thing before the World Wide Web, whatever you want to call that, the internet. Like they probably played NetHack. Anyway, the, what I was trying to say is the most, the furthest I've ever gotten NetHack is like level six. And this took me like eight months to get to. And then I was like, I have other things I want to do with my life. My and personal recommendation is things. I'd probably rather play Caves of Cud first. Yeah, As a group? that's a much simpler game. Caves of Cud. Uh, really, Caves of Cud is pretty damn complicated in, and has like it, weird shit. They the, added a playable door race lately, which I mean is a mid, little bit. Um, <laughs> is it full of regurgitated vegetable matter? No, Ew. Caves of Cud is Q U D. Q U D. Okay. Um, mm. but Caves of Cud is also spelled Q U A V E S. Um, vast. Caves of Cud. I have what the hell? What is that? A, just all the okay. C's are replaced by Q's. <laughs> anyway, I'm, fo- I'm following the explanation I've been given so far. I've been applying it to the rest of the title. Not that complicated. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of old, like really good roguelikes. I, I, I was a console peasant in that era, so I never yeah. knew about any of it. Like I started playing PC games with Diablo 2. Ah, yeah. I yeah. consider that a roguelike, but everyone 
a lot of people get pissy if you do that. <laughs> it kind of I would be, not. If cons- you're playing it in, in permadeath well, with its randomized level design and everything, it kind of functions like one. Yeah, it does. A hardcore mode Diablo 2 is actually like basically a roguelike in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I can see it. Loot's random, no, levels get are random. People at you for saying roguelike well, is yeah, because light. That's like that's like saying like no, it's black death metal, not death sludge oh, metal. <laughs> I, uh, what was I? It's melodic playing? grunge oh, yeah. metal. Oh, was, that's not even a thing. It is now. Oh, <laughs> the way that I, metal I was, genres uh, work is the moment you think of them, you can then type them mm-hmm. into a search bar and find existing cases of them, which literally didn't exist till that moment, but are somehow dated back to 2007. I think it's really <laughs> interesting. Uh, when I was still working at like a fabric store a while ago, uh, a guy oh, yeah, came up and he show. had like long, flowing blonde hair and like was wearing like the high-heeled pump boots and stuff and he was getting like faux leather i'm like hey what are you gonna use this for and he was actually part of like a glam rock band (laughs) and they were actually pretty cool and all the guys were you know highly effeminate and had the very long hair and the makeup and stuff i'm just like you haven't really seen much of like that's gotta be a rich person's hobby are you kidding me god Damn, huh? <laughs> glam metal. Like, you got to have a lot of money to be like, oh yes, I'm going to be in like a local glam rock band. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was. In- I-, I wish I remember the name of the band because I had actually seen their YouTube videos and stuff. But now it, it, it turns just out it was Oxbow. Me. Oh god, if it was Oxbow, <laughs> Oxbow. I haven't heard oh, of them. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Oxbow is really terrible. Oxbow is like they're kind of like glam rock sort of eh, not really but I, I anyway like whenever there's this, like a local band that's a callback to an older type of music is always like they usually have really derivative names like the ballroom blitzers or something <laughs> like what's that there's like a beetle cover band that is just straight up like named after a lyric of a beetle song or a name of a beetle song or something like that's just well, the I mean, go-to. Yeah, those are those are a specific thing, like cover bands that you know you pay to play at weddings or bar mitzvahs or whatever the hell you need them for. We got way off of the beaten path with this. I don't topic. even remember where we were, but uh, we were I'm talking not, about I'm just gonna ask you a question. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you a question, Bird. Next, what? <laughs> another I'm question a, for Bird? Well, no, okay. it's a, I'm making a question. <laughs> Oh. I'm calling you out, Bird, in that I just want you to explain something because you always me- you mentioned it here and there. Why do you hate se- re- season two of Morty, of Rick and Morty? Why? Why are you in my chat? You, reading, you've said, no, you've said it multiple times, and you've reminded me now of this. But you keep you keep repeating this over and over again. What but, I don't like about season two of Rick and Morty is that, and uh, okay, so there are a lot of fans out there. That love this show, and I don't want to say like that you're a bad person for liking this show. But they are. Or, like this isn't an attack <laughs> on you. Dear God, that's how it always is. But <laughs> my personal opinion is that I don't like the show very much at, in season two after like episode three or four. Because I feel like um it tries to derive all of a sudden like this huge amount of emotional depth with characters that I don't feel have any depth to them for me to really sympathize with. Like a big plot point is that basically it's like a uh, Rick is abandoning his family again. And I don't care enough about Beth, Rick or Morty in an emotional level to actually give a shit about that. 
And I guess what really bothers me is that a lot of people play that up as like, this is like so good. And I can think of so many other examples of shows which do tackle serious issues like that in more effective ways. And that's basically the kernel of why I don't like season two. That and I became a major hard ass on that show as soon as they recycled the um, the intergalactic TV concept again. Oh, right. Like that, when they, they that did the clip like, show twice. destroyed that show for me. That killed any momentum of love I had for that show. Is it primarily like a, a show that features humor and just like slapstick The first season is stuff. definitely yeah. like kind of humor and intellectual weirdness. Because unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't I don't really watch much of the like uh, comedy cartoons anymore. I just... So watching it, Rick and Morty it, at first, like... it felt like I was watching Futurama made on Adult Swim. Yeah, that's a fairly good way of putting it. I described it as like a weird, demented version of Doctor Who. Yeah, because it's got the general yeah. concepts of like jumping around and dealing with really weird, crazy concepts and being like manically funny, but also getting depressing every other episode. Mm-hmm. And just having a, having a punch <laughs> that doesn't that, get pulled. I think that a problem was that I was watching BoJack Horseman alongside Rick and Morty oh. Season 2, and BoJack Horseman does that sort of concept (laughs) really really well and rick and morty i feel like it insists that it's more deep than it actually is i've realized that i watch comedy it's a really really pretentious sentence but that's basically how i feel about it i've reached a weird point where i don't watch sad movies or anything like that really but i watch comedies to be sad so i watch like rick and morty and bojack horseman and louis Mm-hmm. Like Louis C.K. or Louis or whatever the name of that show is. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, comedy is meant to make you think. That's the classic definition, anyway. So yeah, that's uh, that's why I don't like uh, season two of Rick and Morty. I don't know if that really adequately answered your question. So the the thing is, I I can't really speak too much about it because I forget because I wrote that show off like. You know, I formed those opinions like two years ago, and I haven't watched the show in a long time. Yeah, if I were to watch it again, I'd be able to. Even. Yeah, if I watch it again, I'd probably be able to explain like this is actually why I don't like it, and yeah. so that's kind of why I threw out the big disclaimer of like at the starts because I'm not fresh at all on why I don't like it, and I I feel like if I don't prepare my argument beforehand, people will rightly figure out like why it's not a particularly good one. <laughs> and I'm totally going to acknowledge that because I I don't have it like I it's wasn't fine. Re- just I'm accept that they've already all been personally insulted. <laughs> I've been on this here internets for a long time, and I know that a lot of people get pissed off if you criticize <laughs> anything. Oh no! That's one thing I will say about uh, going back to Damn Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm kind mm-hmm. of glad that people can criticize it Stupid without just immediately cable. going into like. Sorry. Shitting all over it. But there's a lot of games that I still, like, I have covered, and I'm, like, clearly not enjoying it. Like, I'm mm-hmm. fairly explicit about not liking Fury, and I still get a bunch of people being like, why don't you like this game? It's amazing. I'm like, <laughs> because I don't enjoy this gameplay? Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm trying to be really careful with Rain World and how I, like, speak while playing it, because it's, like, I don't hate the experience, but there's definitely, like, so many problems with it that, are, like, I'm actively, like, having a a ton of t- trouble enjoying playing it because it's mm-hmm. just such a... It's, it, like, it's a game that you need Stockholm Syndrome to 
to beat almost <laughs> and like uh-huh. it's it's hard to commentate over it because i'm like angry because i'm not having fun half the time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i i wish that they'd like throw me a bone or two and like i know if i normally would uh try and explain that people would just be like get good or whatever and it's just like Fuck. well that's the thing is, are there are there adequate enough incentives like are there checkpoints or places where you you actually do feel rewarded for your hard-earned progress or is it just are we still talking eh, rain world here yes yes yeah. uh no um well that, that yeah would you make don't really get anything get for it it's like no, what, you get to the you get to the next save point you get to do the next section that's yeah, it you don't get new like, powers you don't get new skills really <laughs> And I mean, to be fair, we grow even like a dream. Like you go to bed all the time. Why isn't there like a dream at? Well, every there new are state? dreams there every tons. once in a while. Yeah. Okay. But like, they're not really payoffs. It's just like I had one recently that it's just it's like, like it's by the way, your family's art. dead, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh. what? No, what? Taking you while you're literally down. <laughs> yep. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to be on the internet and like speak about things like your own opinions without getting ripped to sh- ripped to shreds and i guess mm-hmm. it like kind of makes sense other people have opinions <laughs> i guess like, <laughs> also just, like, i just buckle up they're and just wrong and they're stupid <laughs> for having them and they're bad I people j- i just like after after uh after fury and that homeworld remake or oh, success yeah. or whatever it's just that like i have their i cannot have a negative opinions about a thing if i don't like a game <laughs> i just don't make the video anymore and that's just how it's turned out to be. Yep, I'm, I'm a cool lot of it. time. <laughs> I, I like yeah, criticizing like things because I really, really hate the enthusiast side of YouTube. That's all about For- smiles and bright colors and loving everything and basically being an, a part of the, every company's PR arm. Yeah, I guess for me it's just a bother because half the time when I speak negatively about a game, it does well. So it's just like... I. Like, you know, Fury or Abduction. Oh, yeah. That or, really weird uh-huh. contradiction where you're like, this the video that you feel miserable about becomes like your most popular video. Yes. Oh, I know. And you definitely got inflamed before by people like, I don't like listening to this. It's Hell, just you complaining. I, I, God, I still get hate comments on like half of my Fallout videos because everybody's just like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He should have done research beforehand. It's just yeah, like, why won't little, he leave Sanctuary? Yeah, to be a little, to be a little fair about the whole thing, like that's that that's not that's not even really your fault. It's not even a matter of your opinion or anything. Like, I get so much shit all the time for my Wasteland Two playthrough, a game I am neither playing incompetently nor actively criticizing. <laughs> It's just it's mm. my most popular video, so I just like I get so many like shitty comments. Oh yeah, for that I get that with uh, because Shadow just, Tactics actually. Yeah, somebody was like, I it's can't be- how handle how many times he has to like die and reload, and I'm like, that's the, the premise point of the, of the game. game. It actively has a timer for how many for like how long yeah. it's been since you last saved. And the guy that's <laughs> it, it's because your most popular videos have the most outsiders, and the most and the more yeah. outsiders you have in the video, the more people are not going to like your video just in general by mm-hmm. because they're not part of your audience, which is how you get people like the guy. It's like you never played Commandos, fucking kill yourself and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. Like I, I, I was really game. disappointed in a comment at one point because like somebody. We were going through Sonic Unleashed and criticizing it like hell, like it deserves. And his response, someone's comment was, Dude, please don't let's play games you don't like. I actually used to like Sonic. This one isn't very good for sure, but you're laughing at my childhood. I really don't like that. 
Maybe other people really don't like it either. Please take the time to look at any of our of Scott uh, Zach Scott Gaming's YouTube files. Look at the way he talks to his subscribers. Look at his view numbers. And like he'd like saying oh, to be that I, person. Uh, oh, like, I absolutely like, hate it whenever somebody's just like, you don't get a whole lot of views. Therefore, for your opinions. Like look irrelevant. at this. Like look at this smiley guy. Go be him instead of who you are. Because I don't like it when you insult my childhood, and I don't have the self-control to choose what I watch. That is weird. That's a weird. It's it's brand to a weird person who left a weird comment. (laughs) It's disappointing, is what it is to for a comment like that. Like, I make my thing. Other people make their thing, and you can watch the one you like, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) I a YouTuber I was a fan of recently, like decided to kind of i'm not going to say sell out but he decided you know i think i'm gonna switch uh switch gears and like do the really highly edited like aiming for kids kind of stuff mm-hmm. recently thumbnails because that are gonna have a cut out of their face looking shocked or something yep. and mm. big bubble big colorful bubble letters. title letters yeah. <laughs> yeah and so he he's switched over to that and i've been listening to him talk now because you know he's he's in one of the discords that I'm in, and mm. it's interesting just how, like, cynical his content and he as a person has become. So, like, he was talking about Has Been Heroes, a game that I'm actually re- rather enjoying, uh, despite its flaws, and he's just like, you know, I really like this game, but nobody seems to watch it, so I'm just gonna leave it alone, and I'm just like, I mean, I guess I do the same thing, but, like, he did one episode. Like, that's, yep. like, zero time to get to know or enjoy a game, mm-hmm. and... I just, the more I hear people about, like, switching over to that kind of content, I'm just like, man, I could never oh, yeah. do that and I mean, be we, happy. we both have access to a YouTuber Discord thing with a bunch of, mm-hmm. a lot of channels in it, and the cynicism that flows through that is fascinating to look at yeah. sometimes. It's yeah. mercenary. And you know what? They're, a lot of them mm-hmm. are very successful, so. Yeah. I, I know a lot. They're not this wrong, goes a- but I hate yeah. it. <laughs> I hate the way that's... they think. <laughs> Also adopted by a number of artists. Um, I noticed that the, the comment comes up every once in a while for people asking what they should sell at artist alleys. And obviously there's like a lot of discussion about anime fan art girls. and such. <clears throat> and anime stuff, yeah. So uh, people always go, you know, I really like drawing this or that, but this seems to be popular. Should I be doing this instead? And there's the argument of, do you do what's you and maybe what's original, even if it doesn't sell as well? Or do you cop out and be like oh i'm gonna just do like the most popular character from the most popular series and you know Mm. but it it's just it's something that you spend hours and hours of time and dedication into and i just i can't it's always a weird compromise because like on some level we're all doing something or changing something for the sake of some kind of audience Mm -hmm. like even you like you have like a deviant art or a youtube or like something that things are supposed to get submitted to and you're trying to make things that other people will look at is like the basic mm. premise on some level. So mm. like so like the cynical elements are kind of natural because they're part of one of the goals of the thing. Yeah, and I on some that. level, like none of us play none of us talk while playing video games normally. <laughs> like on <laughs> some level we're changing ourselves and not doing what's natural to do the show or the thing. But there's like a line on how much how much you want to fake it basically is on some level because like people i i could i could just see straight through like the fake enthusiasm on so many youtube channels that it actually like hurts 
to watch. Yep. And those people... It's, it's especially weird to, like, listen to their enthusiasm and then, like, slightly no, later see them... Well, yeah. yeah, and then slightly later seeing them all be like, yeah, that game wasn't very good, and I'm just like... Yeah, it's, the, it's the Chris Hardwick effect. Uh, and that yeah. just makes you wonder about, is anyone ever really genuine? I mean, I know that people put on masks oh, no. when they're amongst uh, various friend groups and stuff. Like, you should see how, like, giddy and weird Wander gets playing with you guys and well part of the fact I is like, feel bad. I'm off, like am i off, not funny off am camera I, i'm I just... tired and it's subdued <laughs> am i yeah i know I, I... also you don't make dumb butt jokes no i don't <laughs> if you can i mean off camera jokes. i'm a very very disciplined <laughs> and like stern <laughs> person <laughs> <laughs> and like you have no idea if you watch me on like on stream and stuff that like off camera I'm actually like a very 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 strict person. Um, like I I'm like no, this is my piano time. Nobody can talk to me during my piano time. Or, like this is my drawing hour. I must draw, <laughs> and nobody can talk to me during this time. I Man, really pissy. I need drawing hours. <laughs> you have drawing hours. It's well, whatever when I'm not working. Well, lately I've just been <laughs> doing a lot of editing and formatting and mm -hmm. printing and. Uh... Yeah, every once in a while, shows like you need to give me more time to do art, and I'm like, you. What? Well, it always seems to be the inconvenient <laughs> thing of the days that I'm ready and rearing to go. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, we need to record this. And that's this. when you need to go shopping. <laughs> yeah, shopping, shopping or recording or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's very uh, constant. I find that, at least in these podcasts, I'm pretty much the way I am when I'm with other people and like just mm -hmm. overly talkative to the point of being obnoxious. When it's just me on my own... I'm, I don't know. I, I say weird things and yeah. start going on tangents and you go, Michelle, I get it. Stop. And I go, oh. She will tell me stories that she's told me before. I, I know. A lot. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just like telling stories. Um, And uh, I otherwise, like I, I'm, I'm getting gray hair. I, mm -hmm. I'm very stressed as of late and I... I, Could just be natural. Been getting more of them. Well, my great grandmother did go completely like, silvery white, but that was because she was sick and with like pneumonia and stuff back in. Get uh, a the, bad like, case great, of the death. In the Great Depression, yeah, she nearly died. Uh, so I don't know what occurred. It must have been something to do with the melanin production, but yeah, she had just had that. She had like the silver hair that you see in anime. Uh, with typically like the the cool, uh, we had this discussion. What was the character that I was looking for? The description. Anderson Cooper. It wasn't. It was like the dare do dare or something else. Did you do? <laughs> there there were the different like soon dare types. Oh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in any case, I've just got a thing I where I just like to hair. talk. Like when I, I go to when I go to record Sonic or whatever shitty game we're playing for Sad every week, mm -hmm. uh, I end up like we record like two or three hours maybe, and then like I'm sitting there in Andrew's kitchen talking to him and Joe, and then suddenly it's three in the morning, <laughs> and we're just we just we're talking for like four hours doing nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, we got two minutes. Oh. So, uh... What uh? What gross story should we end tonight on? Got two minutes. Like we have an exact ending time. 
Uh, I mean, I think uh, I just said I'm a very strict person and I noticed that we're coming on two hours and I've like mentally associated like this is a two hour activity. Makes and sense. then we're going to do Dark Souls for two more hours. Secretly, all of your yep. scrap mechanic sessions have been pre-scheduled with exact moments where the t- that for timestamps where all the punchlines have to come out. Shit, are you kidding me? <laughs> I wish it was that well. <laughs> I would love if it was that well tight. <laughs> all right. Yeah, gross story. Wander. Wander got one. Um. Uh, I no? have one. No, good. Oh, I... great. I'm glad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I never okay. talked about Zelda, did I? So, oh. Next time, Keith. Next time. Okay. (laughs) Two hours, Keith. Actually, I want to tell this gross story because it was like someone died and it was a video on the news. What? What? Of of their corpse. (laughs) Their corpse made the news? (laughs) Okay, Shell, just tell the story. Okay, so it was in Indonesia and a 25 year old man was missing in the palm tree patties or, uh, you know, a farm. They were like farming for palm oil. And a huge, huge python, about like 20-some feet long, was found, you know, quite engorged. And uh, they slid it open, and you could see the guy's legs and torso in there. Fortunately, he was face down, but he had been swallowed by it. And, like, villagers had said that they had heard screams in the night, but they didn't, you know, get up and do anything, and... Ah... You know, just I, I made this a tradition. Ironically, I didn't realize huh? that you were going to all call my bluff every time. So to st- <laughs> to steal the slogan from uh, dear dear John and Hank, uh, this is a comedy podcast about death. <laughs> That's what happens when you step on snake. <laughs> snake step on you. Wanderer's mom guts. has some weird thing. In where... Indonesia, snakes step on you. They don't even <laughs> with, have legs. With the step on you with their internals. Ew. <laughs> All right. I don't so even we... know how they are. They fast? It's Do like a starfish. Like... How they stick out? Know. Their stomach comes out of their body not. and goes back in with you in it. Are reptiles oh, fast be, at all? It'd be terrible if there was an alien like that in some kind of video game. We don't need yeah, aliens. They're in real life. Yeah, I was gonna say, so, they also there, exist because they're snakes. There's so many real life creatures whose stomachs come out of their mouths out. and consume you, and then they go back in their body. 